Hello, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Ongaku to You, the podcast where three friends come together and break down what's new in the Japanese music industry. This is the podcast for the week of December 21st. I'm your host, Ken, and with me we have Luna. Hello, everyone. And Gray. What's happening, guys? Finally, we have the three amigos back together again. The tripod. Yes! And there is a special reason for that. If you guys have been hearing our little promotions that we've been doing throughout the last month or so now, this is our Ayumi Hamazaki Artist Breakdown. I guess Artist Spotlight. I don't know. I don't know what we usually call it. Spotlights. Spotlight Breakdown, because we're going to break down pretty much her career in the music industry from start to current. We're breaking it so down you won't even know what's up. Yeah, I just I just think of our truth for that. <laughs> oh yeah, when you see my script is ridiculous, so you'll know what we mean by breaking it down. <laughs> but yeah, with that, I'm actually gonna step aside from hosting this week and I'm gonna let Luna take over. So without further ado, All Luna right. go right ahead. Alright, so I'm just gonna dive right into this as we got a good amount to cover, as you know. Are you a.k.a. Ayumi Hamasaki, has 17 studio albums, technically seven mini-albums, a ton of remix albums, which we are not going to cover. And, I mean, she has a huge extensive discography. So, I'm going to start with her beginning in the industry. So, pretty much when Ayu was in high school, she moved to Tokyo. She signed with a talent agency called SOS. So, she worked as a model doing swimsuit photo books. And she also did some acting under them as well, in dramas and some movies. Unfortunately, due to her height, she's very short. She's probably an inch taller than me. She's only five foot. She was too short to be a model, so her career in that did not go anywhere. After that, she briefly signed to Nippon Columbia under the name Ayumi. And she, re- she did two releases under them. First was a single and a mini album. They both had the title Nothing From Nothing. Unfortunately, neither of these sold well at all, so Nippon Columbia dropped her. And this was in 1995. Just think, this was three years before she got signed with Avix. And I've been trying to buy a copy of Nothing From Nothing. It's very, very, very rare, very, very out of print, and hard to come by. I have heard it, though, and you actually get to hear her rap. Say what? It's a very... She raps. In this, she reps in it. It's a very R- heavily R and B hip hop album, and it has the rapper Dozy T in it. Do I have five hundred bucks just sitting around somewhere so I can get a hold of this thing? 
Because I would love to hear some rapping Ayumi. Like, she gets a little close to it in some of her music. I'd love just to hear full-blown, let's see what this girl can do. It's a really good mini album, and I've been trying to find a copy. I've seen it on Yahoo Auctions for around 500 I've seen it maybe, maybe around 300 but I can't spend that on a mini album. If I mean, if it came with something more, then I might drop that. But gold, it's a little gold, gold-plated record, you know. It's little incentive there. Yeah. So it, it's a very rarity, but that's how she started out. And we're going to go into her debut with actually Avex and how she got signed with them. So IU dropped out of high school and she used to frequent a club called Velfair, which is owned by Avex. And it was here in 97 that a friend introduced her to Matsura Max, a.k.a. Max Matsura, who is the producer for Avix. He is pretty much the big name under Avix tracks. So he heard her sing karaoke, and he pretty much told her, well, you have a really nice voice, but you can't sing very well. Which is like a compliment, but not. Like a backhanded compliment. (laughs) Yeah, so it's kind of like, oh, you have a really nice voice, but you're not the best singer in the world. You know, maybe we can fix that. Well, he offered to send her to voice lessons and sign her to his label. But she actually declined for a whole year. She told him no, because she thought he was really shady and odd. And finally, after about a year, he kept persistently asking her, and he finally convinced her to join Avix Tracks, which she did. So he sent her to New York for voice lessons, and... And you'll see this throughout her career, so IU has, does, does not always do well with authority. She likes to kind of be in charge. She likes to be in charge of her life, her career, and do what she wants. So when she was in New York, instead of going to those voice lessons, she went shopping. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, hey, you know, if I were her and they're not, you're not babysitting me, I'd probably do the same thing. Um but she did. She would exchange letters with him and just kind of keep updates on how she was doing in New York. And he noticed in all those letters that she had a remarkable talent for displaying how, you know, about her feelings. So whenever she displayed it, she was extremely detailed. And he took notice of that. So when she came back to Japan and she was working on her working on the first single, Poker Face, she was dissatisfied with the lyrics that they provided for her, and she did not like them. So Max Matsura told her, well, write them yourself, which she did. And the lyrics that she wrote are used in the final recording of that song, which is Poker Face. And this is kind of an interesting, it's kind of sad and interesting. So when right before she recorded her first single, Poker Face, she had visited her grandmother in a hospital who had raised her and, you know, pretty much told her, you know, I'll come back and visit tomorrow. I'm recording my first single. Well, while she was recording it, she got a fax saying that her grandmother had passed away. So it's like, you know, her first single, which is a really, really good song. And you can hear some of the emotion in that song when you hear it, you know, uh, as she definitely put that in there. And her second single, You which she did later on dedicate. She dedicated that to her grandmother. She wrote it in her memory. Uh, Both of those weren't really successful, but you really hear the power and emotion and all her lyrics. And Japan really took notice to that because her third single, Trust, ended up charting into Oricon, and it hit number nine. 
So they're starting to see, hey, this girl has some talent. And it followed by her next, her next two singles ended up going on, uh, hitting on the Oricon as well. They both hit in the top ten, but they did not quite make number one. Now, when she released her album, though, A Song for XX, that hit number one on the Oricon chart, selling over a million copies. And on top of that, it earned her the Japan Golden Disc Award for Best New Artist. So it shows, even though those singles did not chart, it, I mean, she still hit gold with those. <laughs> and it really, and it, a lot of people took notice to that. And A Song for XX, I feel like, is a good start to her career, as it has some really good songs on it. It's more of a, I guess you could say a, how would you say it, a pop, soft, like a rock pop album? Mm, yeah, I'd say like a soft rock pop, maybe. That would be a good starter, yeah. Yeah, and like Depend on You is, Depend on You and For My Dear were the other two songs that she had released, and I, I really think all the singles she released for that album are good, and the album itself is is a very good starter album, and you can, I will say, after you listen to her second album, you can and all her albums continuing, you can hear the change in her voice, is which is kind of what we're going to discuss. I don't know if I should ruin, but one of my favorite songs is actually on her first album, A Song for XX. I won't say which one yet, but that holds my favorite song, and I probably know all the lyrics to it. So, I don't know if any of you two had anything to say about A Song for XX at all. I'll say I was... When I saw Poker Face... On the list, I guess, where Lady Gaga is just so ingrained in our culture and that song, I was kind of expecting something along the lines of her poker face. And I know this song predates Lady Gaga by like seven, eight years, if not longer. But the poker face that she has is radically different. Radically, radically different. And I wouldn't make the argument. I actually like Ayumi's more. I actually had to hear it seven times earlier today because I had a recording snafu that I had to fix and was so I got really familiar with the song and I, I will say it it's a really good song. It's an interesting song to be your first single and it is a good way to really make a name for her. So she started off her career with a really good foot forward. And you can really see that that's helped propel her into where she is today. So I I recommend if you're interested in her history and what she has to offer, definitely go check out Poker Face. It's definitely worth a listen. Oh, yeah. And I, I agree. A lot of the singles off this album are great. There's one song that's not part of the singles that I particularly particularly like called Powder Snow. I thought it was a very good song, a good wintry song. So um, next, we're going to dive into her second album, which is Love Appears. So we're going to start at the first. Uh, so she released her first single after the release of her album, a song for XX. And it was called Whatever. This actually had two different versions of the single, which is really interesting. It had a, if I'm correct, a, I have the original and I have the re-release of this. And one's a CD format, one's like a three-inch CD, which are, they're kind of easy to find. They're just really weird, but one had a whole bunch of remixes. Actually, they both did because the original song was never on either single, which is really weird for a single. Um, This one actually made number five, and... 
The next release she does is her biggest one. Her first single to hit number one on Oricon was Love Destiny. And that was her first Oricon number one. Followed by her next single, A, which is her biggest, one of her biggest sellers for singles to date. It was released in five different versions. They all had different colors on the CD. And to commemorate this, selling over one million copies, they made a gold disc version as well. And to date, this has sold about 1.6 million copies. Which, I mean, doesn't really compare to AKB, you know, but they also have a million versions like this did. But 1.6 million copies for the 90s, pretty darn good <laughs> for a single release. And a new yes. artist at that. So, in her A single, I actually really, really like it. It is one of the only singles I'm missing. And the only reason I need it is for the remixes. But it, it, it has some great songs on there because Immature was on there. And that is an amazing song. And Monochrome. So I highly recommend also checking out her A single if you can. It's really, really good. So her Love Appears album was released on November 10th, 1999. And this instantly reached number one in Oricon. It charted at number one for three consecutive weeks. And it earned her an immediate, pretty much a J-pop royalty status. Because this was a big deal for a... You know, her second studio album, number one, it's charted for that long. Three weeks is a good amount to hold the spot. And we've seen the Oricon and how, you know, it'll be number one, but then it usually drops to number two or three. So that was a pretty big deal. And then, and it pretty much, it sold 1.5 million copies in 1999. And just think, that had about two months to sell 1.5 million copies. It became the number 15th best-selling album, 99. And in the year 2000, it sold another 1.1 million copies. So the total sales ended up being about 2.6 million. And it charted wow. for 64 weeks on the Oricon in total. So that's pretty crazy that it hung on to the Oricon for 64 weeks. I kind of want to see how this measured up to Namie's Finally album, because we have saw that on the Oricon, you know, constantly. So I'm really wondering... How that compares to this one, too. That would so. be very interesting because, I mean, just getting the final numbers for finally would be very interesting because it's got to be minimum 2 million. I literally think that there's so many copies of that in the wild in Japan that they just start throwing them at, at uh, visitors and overseas guests because it's like, you need to know our pop queen here. And, yeah, and you know. I felt like this, when I saw the sales for this, 2.6 million copies, I'm like, holy cow, there has to be a lot of Love Appears laying around. And I have a copy of this, and it's a great album, it's a two-disc set, and it actually comes with a remix CD. So it's a really, really good album. And this one shows a musical change for her, so while a song for XX was more like a soft rock pop, this is more of a dance pop album. And you can really hear this in the songs like Fly High and Boys and Girls. And there's a, there's so many good songs on this album. I was listening to this album for a while on repeat. Uh, whatever, the du the Dubs 99 remix, uh, Monochrome, Trauma. But you can hear like the change of style. And the, the remix CD that it comes with has a Euro Mega Mix on there, which is amazing. <laughs> So this is a really good album, and it really showcases the you know like the popularity in her career at the time. I mean, that's another reason why this album probably sold fairly well. Was that Euromix CD? 
Because during the time that this album was released, Eurobeat was such a huge thing. And you can tell throughout her songs and transition from this album to the next album that Eurobeat took a hold of her style, so to speak. Especially in like Boys and Girls and stuff like that. Oh yeah, Boys and Girls Fly High are the definition of that. And hearing all the... This is about when she started doing all her remix CDs. And she just had, she released a lot of them that were like nonstop mega mix, nonstop euro mix. And it, it's amazing to see how that Eurobeat, and she was smart about it, how she took the style of it and used it to her benefit. It was very smart. She knew, you know, they knew it was popular and it was a great idea. I mean, case in point for Avex, the only two mega Eurobeat stars from Japan are from Avex. It's her. And move. Yep. They are the only two artists that made it very successful, and Avex always keeps that in their corner. If you're thinking of true blue, mid to late 90s to early aughts style of music that they had, it, you can always look at the charts too. That move was also fairly high on that list because of Japan's infatuation with Eurobeat style. And that's and that's a very good case, and it shows how well this, and we'll see how well her next album did. And that also, I think, had a Eurobeat feel to it a little bit. So her next one we're going to dive into is Duty. And the next singles she released for this were actually kind of marketed as a trilogy. They were all released a month apart from each other, and they were Vogue, Far Away, and Seasons. And they, these were all extremely successful. The lyrics pretty much focused on emotions of hopelessness, and it reflected Ayu's past self as she felt really disappointed in her past public image as nothing from nothing failed. You know, she dropped out of high school, so you could tell she had a lot of disappointment in herself. So these singles describe her past life as from the front, the back, and the side. So you can see different aspects of her life and kind of what she went through and what she felt. And... I think a lot of, especially teenagers in Japan and young adults really understood this, as I'm sure a lot of young adults, you know, in, especially even in their 20s, have gone through this type of thing in life. So a lot of people could relate to these songs, which really helped her succeed even more. So in September 2000, she released her third studio album, which is Duty. And the lyrics for this, as I said before, really resonated with her fans. And this album sold immensely. It sold more than her previous album. It sold 2.9 million copies. And was the number two best-selling album of that year. And is her best album selling to date. My studio album, I'm going to put in quotes. Her best-selling studio album to date. So this also marked the end of the year, marked when she started her New Year's tradition, which is now the New Year's Countdown concert, which she does every year on New Year's Eve at the Yoyogi National Gymnasium. But I also really like Duty, and I love Seasons. That song is absolutely beautiful. Vogue, Far Away, and Seasons are amazing. And there were a lot of other really good songs on that album besides those. I pretty much spent this whole week re-listening to every single album in order of release date just so I could get that effect of, you know, the the transition in her career. And Surreal and Audience are also amazing songs on this album, and those were singles as well. So I don't know if you... I, I know, uh, Ken, you really liked uh, Seasons, if I'm correct. Oh, yeah. Season... Let's just kind of spoil this. 
two of my top five are in this album by itself and i really love this album it's probably one of my favorite albums by her vogue was amazing far away is always amazing surreal is such an incredible song i'm you know when we get to our top fives and our honorable mentions like a lot of it is from this album honorable mention wise because i love scar i also love end of the world it's such a great song the only one that it felt off to me was girlish but that's just personal yeah, and I, I agree with that, too. It, that one is the only one it didn't feel like it quite belonged on the album. And when we go to the mini albums, like, a majority of her songs are like that for me, where I really enjoy the album. If I really like the album, I really enjoy it, except one or two songs. But that's just personally me. And I'll point that out when we get to a couple of her mini albums, because her mini albums are really hit and miss in my in my personal opinion though so but i mean this album was a great seller and i personally like this album as well so we're gonna go on to this is a really really interesting one and i kind of remember when some of this was coming out as i just i i got into iu soon after all this occurred so i found a lot of this very interesting but a best came out in 2001 and this was not too long after duty was released and there was a lot of controversy surrounding this best album so Avix pretty much told IU that, hey, we're going to release a best album and this is how we're going to do it. She did not like that. She pretty much told them, hey, I've only released three studio albums. I don't think I'm ready to do a best album. She felt like she was being forced to do the release and also felt like it was being rushed as well is she thought it was too soon and she wanted to do a best album that was something for her fans, you know, and after a longer span in her career, she felt like she wasn't around long enough to actually deserve a best album. And I, I can I can see that as well. It's kind of surprising even looking back at it, is seeing she only had three studio albums and a best album. Usually it's after five years they do a best album. So this was kind of, you know, a big deal. But she did retaliate against Avix in her own way by she re-recorded four of the songs on the album. So they do have new vocals on it and they're actually mixed a little bit different too. I mean, I like the originals, but I also like that she did that because it gave you a chance to see how her vocals changed. But there's a lot more controversy around this as Utada was also releasing her Distance album. And it was going to be released around the same time as A Best. So Avix decided to, hey, we're going to release it a week after Utada's Distance album. So they strategically did that on purpose. And because of this, the media in Japan reported that there was a big rivalry between IU, uh, between IU and Utada, which both singers pretty much came out and says, no, we, we really don't care. We, we like each other. We're fine. And they pretty much stated that their record labels fabricated the whole thing, especially Avix. Avix did that on purpose in a way, and IU even said that she was against it, didn't didn't want to do that. But, of course, you don't really have a say when it's your record label. Yeah. So, which kind of, you know, it made it really look like they were neck and neck. Well, since A Best was released a week after Distance, Distance took number one when it was released, and then... A-Best ended up taking number one when it came out. And during the next couple weeks, you would just see both albums just flip-flop for number one. So one week would be A-Best, then Distance, then A-Best again. <laughs> and you can imagine <laughs> just the media going crazy, you know, and probably saying, oh, which one's it going to be? 
So, in the end, A Best sold 4.3 million copies. And it became her best-selling album and the number six best-selling album in Japanese music history. And it's amazing that that album sold that many copies, but it is a really good album, even though it only showcases the first three years. I really do like the album, but I kind of wished it would have been after five years because the next two albums we're going to talk about are also really, really good and have some really good songs on it. So, and I know, Ken, you personally love A Best, if I'm correct. Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite ones uh, also because, you know, with A Best, it's so interesting to just re-listen to the different styles and her different evolution so to speak of how she sung these songs because certain artists it's very very rare to hear re-releases of songs that they they've done and you know the whole controversy thing it's interesting because this is around the time where everyone in their minds are thinking that you know we'll get to this a little bit later but Ayu is a very very image upholding person so she likes to take control of what she wants so you know this is kind of that seed in everyone's mind that she is like this and we'll get a little bit on this later because a couple of other things for like her image so to speak it's so interesting just to hear the stories about it because she is very just like she would take 200 shots of a photo and she would only pick one because that's the only one that she likes. And that would be the one that she makes everyone pick, so to speak. And you can see that on certain music videos too, but it's fairly yep. interesting. And, and watching her music videos, you see that in the makings of it when they'll replay it. And she'll be like, oh, yeah. no, 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 we're doing that again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she wants it a specific way because she has, I guess, a vision in her mind of how she wants it done. So she kind of reminds me of a director. When you have that vision, you want it a certain way. So you see her taking control, even if she's not the director of that video. She kind of tells the director what she wants (laughs) and how she wants it done. Yeah, when we get to the next album, it you can kind of see that because a lot of the songs were written by her from this. Because this is when she got her point of view saying, I want to take control. Yes. So to speak. So, and she did write all her songs from a song for XX and on, but she gets involved way more involved in it within the next two. Way way more more involved. (laughs) So, um, well, to promote Judy and A Best as they were, you know, not too far apart from each other, she actually embarked on her first major tour, which is with the Domes of Japan tour. And she wasn't one of the only artists to be able to fill all of the seats at Tokyo Dome. Which is a big deal because you don't see that many. You only see really, really big artists go to Tokyo Dome and fill every single seat. And I've noticed that her tours, I can't imagine back then how much they filled up. But now they still sell out. Just imagine back then, when when she was at her peak of popularity, how fast those sold out. So, uh, about this time, so this is going to play into later on. So she's been physically and mentally worn down as she's been going non-stop since the beginning of her career so she actually damaged her leg during her rehearsal during these tours and also it was discovered that in her left ear her hearing was deteriorating so which is really really depressing and you find out why 
is because she was she was doing too much. She had a cold during her 2000 tour. And I'm trying to think of how to say this because I know I had this written on for later on, but I guess I'll just say it now. So she had a cold during her tour and she was hospitalized. They, she had an ear infection and they pretty much told her, hey, you need to rest. You need to take a break and stop, you know, cancel your tour for the rest of the year. But since she was at the peak of her popularity and she had so many fans counting on her and all that pressure was on her, she decided to ignore her own health. And do what she wanted for the fans and for her record labels. So she continued on, which you'll see the results of this later, but it really ended up damaging her physically later on. And it's really, really sad to hear that. Um, but pretty much after all this happened, she started to contemplate about leaving Avix because their values, how much they pushed her, how much they, they didn't always, they didn't treat her like a real person. But instead, she decided to stay and take control of her career and the production of her music instead. And this also has to do with a lot of fans had written letters to her and said she had impacted them in horrible times of their life. And her lyrics had inspired them to keep going on living and to do better. So this really, you know, she loves her fans. And you can see from watching a lot of her lives that she gets very emotional and you can tell they mean the world to her. So doing this, she did it, you know, for herself, but also for her fans. So the next stage is I kind of combined two of the albums, which is I Am and Rainbow, which they both were released the same year. Or in my, I, yeah, they were released the same year, at least within that year they were released together. So I thought this was a good combination as both these albums have a somewhat similar style. So prior to the release of A Best, she had released her single M, which is included on A Best, and it is also included on I Am. So this was her first single after Duty, and this was a huge turning point in her career because she had written and composed it herself, and she started using the pen name Kriya, and you see that later on in all her albums. You'll see she wrote it, and that's actually her. Um, you also see a huge stylistic change in the song, and you can tell that she did produce it. It's a very beautiful song. I'll say M, not to give it away too much, but it is in my top five. And whenever I see this song live, I do get really teary because it's such an emotional song when she sings it and she really brings it to the table. So, and this song reached number one, of course. <laughs> so, and as you can, you can see, she's had all these number one singles, number one albums, and she pretty much told Avic, she threatened him, says, you know, I'll leave if you don't start treating me like a human being and not a product. And that's how she really felt they treated her. And I mean, you'll see this later on that she pretty much has started to take control. So in September, 2001, she released her 24th single, which is her most iconic. And I think everyone knows the song. This is everyone's most known song by IU, and it is Dearest. It is used for the ending theme to Inuyasha. And this is where I first heard her, was Inuyasha, I heard Dearest, and I thought it was a really, really beautiful song. And Same. Yep, and I think this is where ev a lot of people overseas got into her, especially in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Because so, this this was also my first exposure to Ayu, was through Inuyasha. So. Yep, this was mine as well. So this exposed me to a lot of Japanese pop, and she was one of them. 
And for the longest time, this was the only song I liked by her. I didn't really, really get into her till later. And I will talk about the album that really got me to love her. But this was the song that got me very, very interested. Because it's such a beautiful song. And so the lyrics to this song and the promotional video that was used actually depicted how Avix treated IU. And you can see that in a video how she, you know, you just see her kind of, you just, I'm trying to think how to describe this video because I recently watched this. And it pretty much shows and depicts all her feelings of how they were treating her. She just felt like nothing. And it's really sad that they did that. You know, you just see them, her with bodyguards and her just trying to get away because she just wants to be by herself and they're always watching her, always with her, making sure she didn't mess up do anything, you know, weird, you know, just be a normal person. They wouldn't let fans even get close to her. They'd push them away, and she couldn't even greet her fans. So you see a lot of this in the video, and it really does have a... I feel like it really does depict what she was going through at the time. So th this single was a huge success and sold over 750,000 copies, which is a pretty, I think it's a pretty big deal at the time. So, um, her next one she did was actually for a charity drive called Song Nation, and a lot of artists participated in this, besides IU, like Boa and Kodokumi did a song together. IU collaborated one with Keiko from Globe, and she hers was A Song Is Born, and this was the only single that reached number one in Oricon for this charity, and this charity was to raise money for all the victims of September 11th. So all the money that people bought for these singles, it all went to all the victims. And they also held a special concert as well. And all that money went went to the victims. So I thought that was nice that she actually participated in this and all the money went to help all the people who needed it. So, and right, not too long after this, she finished her, she was working on her next original album, which is I Am. So this she changed this completely. After September 11th, she she decided to revise the whole album to focus on faith and world peace. It originally had a different concept, and I would love to know what that was because I don't know what that was. <laughs> so you kind of wonder what she was going to do beforehand because she had something completely different than what she ended up going with and you can see in the cover I am it's a very beautiful photo it's her she has a slight crown she looks like mother earth I would say and it's a very peaceful photo this album oh, yeah. is really really good I I love I am and this is one of the first albums I did listen to her and I I like I listened to it mainly because of dearest and M mm. but this didn't still dive me completely into her but now I love this album so much. It's so good. It reached number I was, one. I was fairly similar in your respect. That This was the first album that I actually have. And I only listened to the MN and Dearest. And those were the only two. Going back to it when we did this, it kind of opened my eyes to a couple of her other songs. Like Daybreak is an amazing song. Like I, I Originally, I just kind of glossed over a lot of the other songs so but endless sorrow is an amazing song daybreak is such a great song and it wasn't until my second viewing so to speak coming back from looking back throughout her career that you know it made these songs stand out just a little bit more mm -hmm. and like evolution was another song that it was mm -hmm. one of my really good friends 
he's the reason I love her so much now because he made me listen to her constantly. And if he's listening, he'll know who he is. So, but Evolution was one of his favorite songs. And I remember when he sang it at karaoke, karaoke, and I didn't know what the song was. I'm like, oh, I really like the beat of this song. He hit every single note and she, this is a hard song to sing. I could never even imagine singing this song. I absolutely love, love, love this song, though. It is amazing. And there's so many other good songs, like you said, Ken, on this album. I mean, I re-listening to it, Unite, Evolution, Never Ever, Daybreak, A Song Was Born, No More Words, Endless Sorrow. I freaking love Endless Sorrow. But this is a solid album, and I think is a really good starter for most people who've never listened to her in general. So, uh, but this album did reach number one. Big surprise there, right? And uh, it sold 2.4 million copies week one, which is pretty darn good. And the, the crazy thing is less than a year after she released her fifth studio album, which is Rainbow, which sold 1.9 million copies. And I feel like Rainbow is an album that tends to get overlooked. And the cover really stands out to me. But I have a really, really bad habit of overlooking this album. I always remember that the H single was used to promote this, her Hanabi single, which had Hanabi in July 1st on it. But re-listening to it, there's so many good ones on this, like July 1st, Voyage, Real Me, We Wish, Free and Easy. And this is another great album. And I love the cover because it's so bright and it stands out. <laughs> So this album, and in 203, it actually came became the second best album of that year. Which, I'm not too surprised. I would like to know what it was up against, though. It's another really, really solid album. And I highly recommend it as well. It has that... it. I feel like Rainbow and I Am kind of go hand in hand because of the style of music. They have a very similar style. Kind of like they're connected in a way. So... That's just how I view it, though. So, um, did anyone else have anything they wanted to say about Rainbow? or? No, I feel fairly similar to Rainbow, that it felt like a companion piece towards I Am, and that they're meant to be listened back-to-back for that sake. Mm-hmm. I-, I felt the same thing, too, and I really like both of them as a whole, because when I listen to one, I have to listen to the other. So. Yeah. And case in point, when I bought these, I bought this one around the same time as I am, and I felt like I needed to have listened to either both of these or one of these back-to-back, just so that I can have a clearer picture of what she wanted to convey in these songs. So I agree with that. Um, So we're going to go on to, and I labeled this 203 to 206, so it's pretty much Memorial Dress, My Story, Misunderstood, and Secret. And these are four pretty interesting styled albums and these are completely different I felt like than her previous works so in 03 August 03 she released her 30th single Forgiveness and actually held a special concert for this called a museum 30th single collection which was held at Yoyogi National Gymnasium to commemorate it I do own this DVD and it has one of the most gorgeous performances of Dearest ever extremely iconic and if you can find this I highly recommend watching this concert it's really really good but then not too long after December 03 she released her first mini album Memorial Dress 
so this mini album, each each song on there had its own music video. So Angel Song, Grateful Days, Hanabi Episode 2, and I know I'm missing a lot more songs off of it, but it is a really good mini album. I feel like it definitely leads up to her next album with the style of it. I will say Hanabi Episode 2 whenever I watch that music video. It brings tears to my eyes because you can see the emotion and her you can see the emotion on her face, hear it in her voice, and it really gets to you. Like it kind of squeezes at your heart. And I always tear up when I watch that video. It is a song that and video that makes me feel extremely emotionally connected to her. And she conveys that message perfectly. So this mini album reached number one and sold over 1 million copies and became the best-selling mini-album by a female artist ever. And I don't think anyone has broken that record, from what I know, because we don't see too many big artists release a lot of mini-albums. You'll see a lot of indie artists do that, but you don't see a lot of really, really big studio artists. So I think she still holds that record. And this is probably my favorite mini-album by her personally, as I love every single song on this, and Angel Song is one of the ones that really stuck with me because of the music video. It was very, very unique. It was like a bank robbery. So, I don't know if you guys kind of felt any way about uh, Memorial Dress. I feel like it's a very forgotten album, though. Especially being a mini, I feel like all her mini-albums get forgotten in some way. I mean, for mini-album, it is a fairly top-notch album, nonetheless. And with her mini-albums, it's... it's we'll, we'll hark on this later. I just don't know how to treat it, so to speak. Because they still have the high production value of an album. Yet, I don't know, like, some of the songs off her mini-albums. And it's not just this one in particular, but a lot of her songs in the mini-albums didn't seem to have that same emotion that I really fell in love with. And this was just a part of her evolution of her style because when we get to her mid, like mid-aughts, you kind of see that. We'll get to that just a little bit more with her 2006 album, but we'll, it's it's something that was just very interesting to see. Yeah, and I will say No Way to Say. I, I always forget No Way to Say is on this mini album because I have the single too. But that's still one of my favorite winter songs. And I feel like that's like the most standout song on this album. No, I, I definitely agree with that. That? It's like... Say that and Hanabi episode two are the two standout songs. Yeah, definitely. So. Uh, but this memorial dress, in my opinion, really leads into the next album, which is entitled My Story. And I... I love this album, and this is a very unique album, as this has a complete style change, in my opinion. I wouldn't say a 360, but it's it feels like a giant turnaround. So this album was a very personal album for her, as with the whole A-Best controversy, and she really felt like her last studi two studio albums, I Am and Rainbow, were very rushed. She also didn't feel like she was being treated as a person still, just as a product. So this album evolved with all those emotions. Like, she pretty much took all her dissatisfactions with everything that was going on and placed it into this album. 
So this this whole album showcases her honesty and her her free writing style. She pretty much put all her emotions that she was going through into one album. So there's really no theme for this album. It is just all on her emotions toward her career. And I'm thinking that's the reason why I really, really love this album is because it is such a unique piece and it has some very hard rock, I would say like hard rockish songs, but then it has some really beautiful songs like Moments. Moments is absolutely freaking gorgeous. And you get something really, really cute like Honey. And you get the really fun song Humming 7 slash 4. This album is showcases so many different emotions, so many different music styles. And I like that she just put everything she felt into one album. And this is a personal favorite that I used to skip over thinking, eh, you know, after hearing the first couple songs. Then I heard About You and I'm like, oh, this is really good. And I started hearing more and more songs off this album. And now as a whole, I love it. It is fantastic. So this came out in December 15, 2004, and it sold 1.2 million copies. Unfortunately, this was one of her last albums to sell over a million copies. So you can kind of see this is where her sales begin to decline along with her popularity. Which is unfortunate as, I mean, some of the next releases she has I think are really good. But you can really see how her music starts to change from where she started till now. So this album also marked her first tour based off an album. And it was her first arena tour. And it was the My Story Tour, which is an amazing tour. If you can get it on DVD, I highly recommend it. It's uh, Mine's a three-disc set. And I love it. it. It is fantastic. Some great performances on there. I love the performance in Boys and Girls. It's so much fun. So, I don't know if you guys had an opinion on my story at all. Personally, this is a really good album. It is a really good album because you can like you said, it you can tell her emotions to a T that she had pent up throughout her career up until this point, but there's only there's only a couple songs that I personally like off this. That being Moments, which is, of course, the lead song for this album. Inspire is always a good yes. song. Honey is a good song, like you were saying, too. However, Hope or Pain was was a song that kind of got to me to a point on certain levels. But, like I said, it's, it's only a handful of songs. And this is where her style change kind of happened. And it was very, very evident of her style change from this. And I don't know if this was the reason behind it. Maybe because of her pent-up rage from Avex that they decided to market something else because of that. And that's why you don't see much advertisement for IU stuff as much. Maybe that's the only reason why this was the last album to sell over one, one million. Um, kind of. We'll, we'll see a little bit later. At least studio albums it was. Hmm. But mm, if you studio, look at... Yes, yeah, studio. I should define studio. <laughs> So, um, after her My Story, she released four more singles, which were Step You is This Love, Double A Side, Fairyland, Heaven, and Bold Delicious slash Pride. So, this is where I found one of, one of the songs that really hooked me to her was Step You. I will say that all these were on Misunderstood, 
and Misunderstood is the one out al- one of the first albums I bought along with I Am. This is the album that got me to love her. I think it was because I loved the song Step You. I loved Is This Love. I loved Fairyland. I loved Heaven. Funny thing is, is I hated Bold and Delicious when I first heard it. I freaking hated that song. For years I could not listen to it. Re-listening to it, I completely changed my opinion. <laughs> and it's just because it's a really odd song, but you it showcases her vocals, in my opinion, that... Y- she really has a good voice and you hear it in a song but the chorus is what used to kill me so I'll go into some of these and Fairyland the reason this got me into her is this music video is flipping gorgeous it is beautiful it is a beautiful relaxing amazing song and I love this and it also is one of the most expensive videos to film it is like the top in the top 10 most expensive music videos ever. It cost over $2 million to film this video. And you watch it, you see why. It looks like she rented out a whole freaking island. Which I wouldn't be surprised if they did. It is a, I, I can watch this video all day. It is just amazing. And I will say the other song, the song Heaven, was used for the movie Shinobi Heart of Blade, which is like a live-action version of the anime Basilisk. And I love Heaven, but whenever I hear it, I cry my eyes out because of the lyrics. I bawl like a little kid, and I watched the music video last week, and I was sitting there in freaking tears crying. It It is just a beautiful song, and I... Even thinking about it, it kind of makes me cry because whenever I hear it, I just get all teary-eyed and um, it, it's really, really good. So uh, I guess some other interesting t- tidbits is like Bold and Delicious is actually filmed in New York and this caused some issues because this is when I got into her and I read a lot of her news and everything that was going on. She stopped traffic in this and she had tons of NYC cop cars escorting her in New York and one of the busiest sections. And there were people pissed and honking at it because she rented out this whole giant stage thing and his truck was pulling her around in New York with cameras around her while she was singing. And you could see that in the video. And watching the making is actually really interesting because um, a lot of the cops, she signed autographs for them. And she took photos with them and everything too. But it's a very interesting music video. And Pride was also filmed in New York as well. So, which, that, that's an okay song, but I, I will say, like, Bold and Delicious, Step You, Is This Love, Fairyland, Heaven, they're very standout songs on this album. So, Bold and Delicious actually was kind of a big single because it became her 25th single to reach number one, which, which is pretty, I mean, think about that, 25 singles at number one, that's pretty crazy. And, um... So pretty much after this, she released Misunderstood, which is I've just been talking about some of the songs off this. And this is a very distinct album compared to her others. And some of these songs on here were actually demo covers. Were demo or cover songs of demo songs by Gio, who is known for producing the, I would call it group Sweetbox. It's like a singer with him as the composer. And Sweetbox, they're really big in Asia. I'm trying to... They all have different singers, so their most famous one was Jade Valerie. 
And I really do like Sweetbox. I actually freaking love Sweetbox. So IU heard a lot of these demo songs and asked Gio, hey, is it okay if I cover several of these songs in Japanese? I really, really like what I'm hearing. So she pretty much took the songs, she re-edited them and rearranged them, and she rewrote all the lyrics to her liking. So it pretty much became her own in its own aspect, and I love hers better than Sweetbox's, although I really do like Sweetbox. And most of these songs were from Sweetbox's Addicted album, which is amazing. But I like I Use Better. So the songs that she took from that were Bold and Delicious, Rainy Day, which in Sweetbox's was Every Step, Ladies Night, In the Corner, Pride, and Beautiful Day, which Sweetbox's version is Beautiful Girl. So this album reached number one on the Oricon, but it did not sell over a million copies in Japan. And I specify in Japan because you will see as she is a huge success in Asia. And that's that ends up selling her a lot more copies. So when I talk about sales-wise, I'm going to say more in Japan because she has way more sales throughout Asia, if you think about it. So I, how did you guys feel about Misunderstood? Because I personally really like Misunderstood. This is the album that made me love her. I guess it was the style and the music... And some of those videos were very standout. Well, for me personally, I went into this album not kind of knowing what to expect. And the first song on the album, I really didn't care much for. And so I was expecting to not really like the album as a whole. But once you get past the first song, I don't know. I, I really like the album past that. Like, one of my honorable mentions and one of my top five comes off this album. And it, it to me, was just a really good, entertaining album to listen to. Uh, I was having a hard day at work. And, I, I, and sometimes with, with this kind of thing, like, you know, we have to do it. But sometimes you can just get in that mindset where you kind of start dreading it. Just because, like, well, you know, you, it has to get done. And I'm having a down day. And I'd rather hear something that would pick me up. So... You know, I'll want to listen to like my comfort food, but I need to get this done for the show. So you kind of get to a point where sometimes you can kind of dread it a little bit. And this this was, oh, I think this is like the third. This is the third to last album of hers that I listened to, and this is this album was really really amazing, and really surprised me. And like like my. The one that I'll be talking about later, that song really brought me out of a funk that I was going through. And I'll, I'll go into more details when we do our top five, but I, I was really glad that I actually listened to this album and it really had an impact on me. So, yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I agree with that. Like this was, I feel like this is also a good starter album for her. Um, besides, I know what the song, the first song you're talking about, it is bold and delicious. That yeah. song turned me off for a long time. Like I hated that song for years. And now I have, a, I have a love hate relationship with it because there's some parts of the song. I absolutely love because it showcases her vocals, but then I hate the chorus with a passion. <laughs> I, I I didn't like the song from beginning to end, but, you know, you know that that's fine. You know, not every artist you'll like every 
song in their catalog. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. you know, it's, it's whatever. It. I just wish it wasn't the first song on the album because yes, because it really turns you off if yeah. you don't know what to expect, and that's what kind of. If I would have listened to this album initially and I heard that song, I probably would have turned it off. Exactly. I had heard Step You, Is This Love, Fairyland beforehand, so I knew those songs were on there and really good. I just had to get past that first song. Yeah, and, well, and I think, like, the first song of any album, this goes for every artist, every, no matter what, the, the first song sets the tone and what to expect, so when it's something like Bold and Delicious, it just, it can leave a bad taste in your mouth and it really just like, is is this what the rest of the album's going to be like? Is, am I going to have to hear this for another 50 minutes? Like, it's just, so, yeah, I, I don't know what she was thinking with that one, but that's okay. We'll overlook it because it wound up being an amazing album uh, oh, in, yeah. in spite of its number one it song. It number one, it just didn't, make no i make meant like i was talking about sales. bold i was talking about bold and delicious though oh yeah 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 so um ken what did you think of uh misunderstood honestly um this was the album i i had originally followed iu from from i am and i fall and i either bought or had my friend get these songs and this is the album where i kind of felt estranged so to speak mm-hmm. Because Step You is an amazing song. And that's the only song that I had really did liked. Step La- Step You and Fairyland. I when I did do the second go around when we did for the for the podcast, it took me a while to to get around it, so to speak. Because it was right in that point where her style was really changing mm-hmm. and I I really did like her old style. And that that's what it's gonna boil down to. Like her later stuff, it's it's all right, and I understand where she's going with it, but it's so estranged for me because I really did love her old style, and this was that change, so to speak, mm-hmm. and the beginning of that change. And see, for me, I I don't like there are aspects and stuff that I do like about her old style, but none of the songs really in her old style really spoke out to me. And I I could really, like I really interested me. I mean, there are some songs on her first album that I do like, like boys and girls, which I think we'll be talking about later and stuff like that. Like, like there are some songs on there that I do like, but I I don't love them. It's okay. It's it's whatever. It's, it's this album around here. Cause when I look at my top five, I think this is the oldest song on my list. So uh, for for me, this is like really where like I start liking her more than her older stuff because you know I I know you guys were talking about Dearest earlier. I'll, I will be the oddball. I've never liked that song. It's okay, I guess, but I I it's never been my thing. And so for me. Uh, when she kind of goes for that more of a pop style, more something like from that to me, I enjoy that a lot more. So it's just interesting the the way things kind of worked out. Uh, just where me and you uh, split can because I, I find it interesting. It's not that I have anything against her old stuff. I do like it. I do enjoy it, but it's not the kind of music that I typically enjoy, and it's not the stuff that I, I got on my way to listen to. So, uh, for me, it, it's, this, this is really like the turning point for me. 
for her this this album right here and I can see both because I love I love her old style, but I also love Misunderstood and even some of the work and the works after this. But I feel like I'm so selective in the songs, but it's it's really hard to say because she's had such an interesting style that I feel like she is something for everyone. You know, some people like more like the 90s style who love her old stuff and some fans are going to like her newer style, too. So I like that about her, that since her style can vary so much and she switched it up so many times that there's something for everyone in her music that you'll find at least one song by her that you absolutely love. I guess that's the reason why I like her so much is she's so versatile as an artist too. So um, we're going to dive into her next single, and this came out in 06, which this was her 26th single, Start and Born to Be. So, and this actually, and actually I might have messed up on this one. When I wrote this, so we're gonna ignore some of what I wrote. Um, so this, uh, <laughs> so this actually became her. Uh, this one also hit number one, as well. And I'm gonna ignore what I wrote. Let's just forget that. So, and starting born to be, I, I love starting. I actually love the music video for this more than anything, because this music video is hilarious, and it is so much fun. If you haven't seen the video for starting it, go check it out because there's a little twist at the end of the video that cracks me up every time. And Born to Be is an absolutely beautiful song. It's a, I would say it's a power ballad because it's not really a ballad, but it's not really a, you know, upbeat song. I really like that. But this also had some more songs I loved on it. Bluebird has one of the most gorgeous music videos ever. I love that video. It is a very summery song that really gets you in an upbeat mood. And her song Jewel on here is also in the top 20 for most expensive music videos. It cost about $1.5 to film. So another interesting tidbit about that one. And so I really like Secret as an album. So this was released on November 29th in 06. And this was supposed to be a mini album. But she ended up changing her mind and wrote five more songs for the album. So this also reached number one, but it failed to sell over a million copies. Just like Misunderstood did. This sold around 667,000 copies. It was a, however, despite it not hitting a million in Japan, this album is, was such a huge success in Asia. It sold over 2.2 million copies in Taiwan, China, Singapore, and all around Asia. So that was a big deal for her. And I felt like a new turning point in her career as her popularity outside Japan started to rise. So I feel like Secret was a very fun album and it had some different style changes as well. I, there's some, I forgot how much I enjoyed this album when I was re-listening to it. I always listen to Bluebird every summer because it's my summer go-to song. I love Beautiful Fighters because it is an amazing, fun song. And Kiss O' Kill was also really good. I felt this whole album was very, very solid. It just didn't get as much recognition, but also at the same time, you had Kodakumi's Black Cherry album coming out. You had a lot of other big artists up against her, too. So she had a lot of competition at this time. But I still say Secret is a very solid album. Um, 
What did you two think of Secret? I love one of the songs on this <laughs> album. Well, it's um, Monumentum. Oh, that's a really good one, too. And it's probably up there on one of my other winter songs. If I were to pick a winter song by her, this song would have been it. Yeah, I'll say I actually I, I enjoyed it. There's uh, my favorite song on the album I can't talk about quite yet, but we'll get there. But yeah, there was a couple of songs that I really, really liked. Uh, I, I did enjoy this album. I had a lot of fun with it. And uh, I, I can't speak to you know, the popularity of it and all, but I, I liked it. So this one ended up sell- being a number one, two best-selling album in Japan for that year, which is pretty darn good for my- not making a million copies. So you kind of wonder what other albums came out if this was number two and it only sold, you know, shy under 700,000 copies. So, so next up is she actually had a big landmark. She and, February 2007, she released two compilation albums, which are A Best 2 Black and A Best 2 White. So the these compilation albums started where A Best left off, so it had songs from I Am all the way to Misunderstood. And on the release day, A Best Black took one, A Best White took number two, making IU the first female solo artist in 36 years to occupy the number one and number two positions on the Oricon charts. So, which I think Nishino Kana ended up doing that in 2014 as well. With her, She did it twice. Yep, with her best album. So <laughs> she broke IU's streak on this. But, you know, to go on this, she was the first. And that's mm-hmm. a huge thing. Yep. To be one of the world wrecking, especially for fe- solo female artists at this time. Because during this time, if you guys don't know in the Japanese music, market that's when the whole idol boom started was right around this time so for a single solo female artist to do this is a ironically monumentous thing to do so and i actually have copies of both these and they're great they're great albums to have especially if you don't want to buy all her studio albums just buy a best her A Best Twos or her A Complete Singles. Her best albums have the best songs on it. But, the, I mean, they're great albums. And the DVDs are the other reason I had bought it. Because it was a two CD plus two DVD set. And the DVDs came with music videos, documentaries, some lives. It was worth every penny. But both these albums sold one point four, uh, about 1.45 million copies in Japan. So they were extremely successful. So due to Secret and Abess being successful in Asia as well, she decided to do a first tour of Asia, and it was entitled 207 Tour of Secret. Since her fan base was expanding in Asia, it's, all the tickets sold out within three hours when she put it up. Which is pretty amazing, especially if she was going like China, Singapore, Taiwan... With all the tensions between those countries, it's amazing that how a Japanese artist has impacted those countries and those fans. And for her to sell out at venues there is a pretty big deal. So, and that tour is really good, by the way. And 207, she released her next single, which is a double A-side, Glitter Faded. And this single included something very unique. It, it had a short film, which was shot in Hong Kong, with actor Shang Wei. This single reached number one on the Oricon charts and stayed there for 11 weeks. 
And I love this single. I will say Glitter is a really upbeat, fun song. It sounds very summery. Although the video doesn't seem like that. And Faded is a very sad yet beautiful ballad. Watching the short film for these, they're combined as it shows how she falls in love with her bodyguard for Glitter until Faded when he's going to meet her and going to give her a ring and he gets killed in a car crash. And she kind of finds the remnants of the crash and finds the ring and sees the pool of blood and she's very upset. So it is a really unique single how she did with the mini movie and I personally really like it. I also love both songs as I think they're very good double A-sides. Um, so not too long after this, she, uh, it was revealed that she actually split with her longtime boyfriend, Nagase Tomoyo, who is the guitarist of the J-Rock band Tokyo. I had no idea she had been dating him since 2001, which is a pretty, you know, good relationship. And it's really interesting, her dating a J-Rocker. I don't know, I just couldn't really see that, but she does have tattoos, which a lot of people don't know. Unless you've seen her shoulder, she has a giant tattoo on her shoulder. But I thought yeah, it was kind of interesting. It looks like she's a giant Atlanta Braves fan. Just the way that she stylized the A on that on that tattoo it just looks identical to the a for the atlanta braves it could be that's actually her um her known local is her tattoo she has the known a symbol so you'll see it on a lot of her her merch but um not too long after this in december of seven she released her first digital single together when which topped the digital charts and I love this song. I will say this is another song that has brought me to tears. Whenever I hear her start saying, Arigato te ienakata, I just start crying. It is an amazing song. Amazing ballad. The video is gorgeous. And it's interesting that she chose a ballad for a digital song because most of them are, you know, upbeat Happy dance songs, but for a ballad to top the digital charts is pretty darn good. So, and all these songs were getting ready for her newest studio album, which came out January 08, and it was Guilty. So this is an extremely heavily rock-influenced album, and it has four instrumental interludes, which, her al which none of her other albums have done before. I personally like that she did this, as I liked how each instrumental led up to that song. Like, Marionette had an interlude for it, and I love Marionette because it's such a unique song of that album, and it stands out so much. And Talking to Myself it, and Decision, a lot of those are very, very rock. And I, I have a soft spot. This is one of my Guilty Pleasure albums. And it, it really screams at me when I want something rockish, or like a rock pop, I always go to this album. And the song My All is also an amazing song that really stands out on here. Don't Leave Me Alone is really, really good. I can't say enough about how much I personally enjoy this album. And unfortunately, Japan didn't feel the same way as I did because this album did not do as well. And and it also wasn't as emotionally connected as her previous albums were. So this was the first album to not reach number one in Oricon charts. But it was on there for 17 weeks. Which is really weird. So it was on a top 10. It just didn't hit number one. 
It did sell over 500,000 copies, and it was also the first album to be released digitally in 26 different countries, which was the first for any Japanese artist at the time. So it's amazing that she's really trying to market her international fan base, and doing it back then in 08, when a lot of artists didn't do that, unless you were really, really big, even then you didn't try to market to 26 countries. So I felt like that was a very unique aspect of it, as she really did want to get into the international industry and mar- tried to market it to everyone, so everyone could listen to her music and enjoy it. Uh, I was disappointed to find out it didn't sell well, but I, I can see why it didn't. I still enjoy this album for personal reasons. I It has some, so many good songs on it that I, I really enjoy. How did you two, how did you feel about it? Did you feel the same as uh, Japan did or do you, is this a guilty pleasure album as well? I I I felt the same way as Japan. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm to be perfectly honest, like this around this time I had just missed her old stuff. And like I said, going around to it and finally kind of like sitting down with it because Sometimes when I did these later albums, I wrote it off because I just didn't want to listen to it because her old style was so good. And we'll get to that more so in um, my top fives, but uh, it's this album was all right. I, I, I took the fair share and, I understand why it did as well as it did, but I don't... What took number one? Did you ever find out? No, I didn't, and I'm really curious what was... That was from 208. And it's hard finding Oricon charts from that that long ago. Yeah, because during that time, the site wasn't as good as it is now, because mm-hmm. they only keep up till like, I want to say 2011, if that. So, but I felt the same way as Japan, just to kind of be blunt there. No, I mean, it wasn't my favorite album either. I, I only got to listen to it once. None of the really songs individually really spoke out to me. Uh, I, I remember earlier for a different thing, Luna, you had requested uh, talking to myself, and I actually couldn't even find it. I couldn't remember what album it was on or anything. And I couldn't find it, so uh, I just now refound it. So I was like, "Oh well, oh that's where that's at." It's okay. I do remember that much. Uh, I only got to listen to this album once. It's it's been hectic the past couple of weeks. So even if I did enjoy an album, I only got to listen to it once. So the most I could possibly say about is whether I liked it or or thought it was okay. But it's okay. It, it wasn't my thing. I know I just said I liked her older stuff, but I don't know. For, for me, this album just didn't quite click. So sometimes you and an artist, you're on different pages. It happens. I mean, it happened with Daichi's last album. I love that man to death, but the last album wasn't huge for me. Mm-hmm. And this is probably something similar. It's just like, well, you know, this one didn't click. It happens. It's nothing too big about it. But, you know, and maybe down the road, if I can go back and listen to it some more and and stuff like that, uh, I'll have more of an opinion. I might even grow to like it, but I I only had just enough time to give each of these albums a single passing. So 
you know, uh, like I'm having to kind of just look back over the albums as we're talking about them, just just in case, so, so I'm be like, okay, yeah, there is this, just just so I can try to remember something because it's it's not there for me, but you know, uh, and you know, sometimes Japan gets it right, sometimes they gets it they get it wrong. It's just it just. I don't know. Like we've we've all agreed with Japan, we've all disagreed with Japan, and we've all found ourselves somewhere in the middle. So it happens sometimes. So I think Kobukudo had taken number one, from what I can tell, and that would explain why it beat her because Kobukudo is extremely famous. So, oh yeah, that that would explain a whole lot yeah. now. So that's what I'm thinking. As much as I could find, it's really hard to find information on albums from that time. So, but I mean, it, it's still hey, it's still I mean, hey, she made number two at least. So and it stayed under for 17 weeks, which is pretty darn good. And looking at all the things that came out in 208, staying on for 17 weeks was really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the next, we're going to talk about her 10th anniversary. So we're into 208, and as you know, she had been in the industry. She came, signed with Avix, 98. I consider being her longer because she released something <laughs> in 95, but Avix time, they just consider it 10 years. So yeah. Miracle World was released in April 8, 208, exactly 10 years since her debut single, Poker Face. And this single reached number one, which is good because her last album did not reach number one. And this pretty much made it, this single hitting number one. She has had a number one single every year for ten consecutive years. That's pretty darn amazing. So you think about every year she's been in the industry, she's had a number one single. Look at the censored debut at Poker Face. It reached number one. I didn't care for this one as much. But I love the video. The video is beautiful. It's shot in Paris, France, which I thought was interesting. And I know she had a pretty famous French director shoot the video, from what I recall. And you can see a lot of famous things in the music video. The documentary on the music video, like the making of it, is way more interesting than the video itself, though. I love the making of it because you do hear her speak English to the director. And I didn't realize how good at English she was until that point. So, uh, to promote this, she was also promoting Guilty at the time, but she's also doing her 10th anniversary. So she released, also released, um, da, 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 a complete all singles collection later this year in September. And this compilation was a, is enormous, and I do highly recommend getting it. It showcases all her A-side singles. That's the only thing I don't like because there's some B-sides that I absolutely love, like Is This Love, which is not on there because it's not considered a A-side. But it's great. I mean, the first disc is all her older stuff. The second one, you know, you got some of her middle-ish career. So it pretty much goes from her first album song for XX all the way to Guilty. And it also includes Miracle World. So it's a great release to have all of these songs at once. It came in several editions, actually. I have the first press limited edition with the box. It's three CD plus a DVD with rare footage on there. And there's a regular CD edition uh, and a CD plus DVD edition as well. 
So this album did fairly well. It reached number one in Oricon, which is amazing. However, it sold about 900,000 copies, a little bit shy of a million. But it was the third best-selling album by a female artist. Only beat out by Namie's Best Fiction, which took number one, and Utada's Heart Station, which took number two. So you can tell she had a lot of competition that year with all these big artists releasing things. But she was in the top three, which is amazing. So, and a lot of the songs on this album were actually remastered, such as M, Audience to Be, Poker Face, and you can hear that. As I re-listen to this, and you can tell the difference between the songs, I don't know if it's the melody, it sounds like some of it might have been rearranged a little bit, but you can tell something was done with them, and it's an amazing release. If you're just getting into IU, this is another one that I recommend grabbing, as it has some of the best songs throughout her career on it. So, um, the unreleased footage came with live performances from her Team IU tour, which is just a fan club tour, and it came out in 03, and then it came with A-Nation live performances from 02 to 07, which is part of AVIX's summer series. Oh my god, those are amazing. If you can ever watch her A-Nation lives, they're to die for. She is a great performer. So, and still continuing on her 10th anniversary... She released another single in 208, and it was called Days Green, and it also switched to Green Days depending on which version you bought. I bought both editions, of course. So, and this one each contained a, uh, on the CD a re-recording of some of her older songs. So one had Love Destiny, the other had Who on it. So it was like a 10th anniversary edition on there. And I love hearing her re-recordings, especially with older songs, because then you can see how she's changed in the last 10 years. So, this became her 19th consecutive single at number one, and her 31st overall single. So, and to close her, to close out her 10th anniversary year, she held her annual countdown live entitled Premium Showcase 0809, which featured a lot of her older songs and not her newer things. Which is what I loved. And that is a great tour, by the way, if you can you can get it. It's on Blu-ray and DVD. So, and this is something that it was released in the year 08 that I touched on this a little bit, is that it was finally revealed that she pretty much went completely deaf in her left ear. She cannot hear out of it anymore, and the doctors pretty much told her there's no fixing it. And if she wasn't careful, she could lose hearing in general, but she did continue on with her career as, I mean, music is her life, and she loves what she does, and she's a performer. So that was the really depressing news, and I remembered hearing this, and this is just when I was really, really getting into IU, and this made me really sad to hear that, because with her live performances and interaction with her fans, you can tell how much she loves what she does, and this is what she's known for so long. So hearing that is really, really sad. And it kind of explain it could explain how her music has changed and her style has changed, you know. So going on to the next year, 09. So she pretty much announced, she's getting ready for her next album. She announced her double A side single, Rule Sparkle. And it can be applied to Sparkle Rule, depending on which edition you bought. So Rule was used as the international theme song for Dragon Ball Evolution. That really, really crappy Dragon Ball Z live action movie that no one cared what are you about. You talking about? I love seeing Piccolo like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we not talk about how awful this movie is? Can we just 
pretend like it doesn't exist. It's the stain of, I think, most anime fans, or at least all Dragon Ball fans' existence. Like, Lord, this movie's so bad. Yep. yep what are you guys talking about? Not good. But I, I will say, the first time I actually heard the song Rule, I hated it. I don't know why I hated it, but re-listening... Is it because of Dragon Ball Evolution? It's called Dragon Ball Evolution. It taints everything it touches. Probably was. I rewatched the video, which I like, because you get to see IU and spandex and rule and sparkle. Like, red spandex. Like, holy hot damn. Was she, was she supposed to be Bulma in that? I don't know, but I the song actually grew on me, and I found I like both of them. And the single, of course, continued her number one streak on the Oricon, so big surprise there. So she came out with Next Level in March twenty uh in March oh nine and this one reached number one and it sold only four hundred thousand copies. So as you can see how it's gone from millions to down to, you know, six hundred thousand you know, it's really gone down over the years, which is disappointing. So this album you see another complete style change. It's very electronica. A very unique album and I ha- this is where I started to get out of her a little bit I cared for a, f- a couple songs in the album when I initially bought it and I only bought it for probably days I bought it for days days green is why I bought it um, it's an okay album re-listening to it I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I remembered despite one song I absolutely hate which is sexy little things it's the only song that does not fit, and I, I, can't, I can't do it. But it's a very unique album, and there are some songs under, like, Energize is a really interesting song, and there's a few that really stick out. So this album re- was released in a really unique format. It was released in a USB format, as well as a CD-DVD edition, two CD-DVD edition, and a CD only. So the USB format was so popular that it completely sold out before the album was released, so Apex had to do a reissue of it before the initial release of the album. And if I'm correct, that USB version is kind of hard to find and a little pricey. I remember when it came out, it was over 100 bucks, and I'm like, nope, not for a little USB. <laughs> but it did come in a really cool box with a photo book and everything, too. I have the two CD, CD DVD edition. So to promote this, she did do another tour, and she hadn't done a arena tour like this in two years, so it was very unique. And this tour was also released in two different Blu-rays. One was a 3D Blu-ray, and the only 3D Blu-ray she's ever done, and a regular Blu-ray. So, I next level, I still don't know what to think of that album, but I will say it has one of my top five songs in it. How did, I know, Ken, you were talking a little bit about next level, when I when I talked to you about it and Gray, what did you think of it as well? Uh, I liked it. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. I it it was I enjoyed it. Uh, I need to go back and listen to it some more, but I I did enjoy it. This is actually the last album I listened to as a whole because initially. On iTunes, it's the uh, it's the live album and the uh, studio albums, and so I was like, "Oh man, this is." I didn't know that there was a, a live album tacked onto it at the bottom, so I was like, "Oh man, that's two hours." I, I that, that's going to be a really really hard to fit in my schedule, so I I put it off for the longest time, 
that was the last, that was the reason why it was the last album I tackled just because of that right there. And I wound up not even being able to listen to the live album, but the album itself, it was interesting. Uh, Energize uh, did stick out to me. That that was a very interesting song. I will agree. That that was very very interesting. This album. <laughs> Does it take it to the next level? <laughs> it took it to the next level, except the last song. One of the last songs on this album. Curtain call. No. Um. Days. I love days. Sorry, that's one of my guilty pleasure songs. I really like Curtain Days. Call. I, I will admit, Curtain Call's a good song. Days is one of those songs, and we'll get to it when we get to my top five. Days is one of those songs that really reminded me of her old style. And I think that's just because of ballads. Her ballad stuff doesn't really change, and which I really appreciate <laughs> personally. But this album the first couple songs took me so out of it (laughs) i did not know what to think of it but then i was just i just persevered because i knew that days was on this album and it pulled off it i personally the album's all right it's probably the one of the rare one of the rare things of her later career that i actually kind of like Granted, the kind of mixed match of styles kind of gets to me just a little bit, but you kind of need that to grow. However, we'll get to it when we get to the next album that she... I'm I'm sorry to say that she didn't continue on with that style. Because if we saw this as a new type of style of her just being really electronica-based, so to speak, I would have appreciated it a little bit more. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, we'll see another style change as we get into her next set of releases, which starts off with her 46th single, Sunrise, Sunset, Love is All, which I personally really love Sunrise because it's such a fun song. I really liked like Sunset. The, the ballad one? Yeah. Yeah, I really like that they're, one. They're both really good. And after listening to Next Level, you get something like this, which is a very summery type song. And I love both of them, and they're beautiful. As you can see, another style change. So, but with this (laughs) single, she sets another record as the only Japanese artist to ever have 44 singles to chart an Oricon Top 10. As only the first two singles of hers were not on it. So, that's a pretty big deal, and... Seeing that is... Yeah, that is a really big deal because no other solo female artist has yet to have done that. No one. No one has ever yet to have done that. AKB is on that track, but because they're technically only a group, this that doesn't count. Mm -hmm. Ayu is the first, and as of right now, only person to have done this. Mm -hmm. And, um... And... I'm correct. She also broke Matsuda Seiko's um, record of she's had 26 singles at consecutive singles at number one. And I don't yeah. think anyone else has broken that record either. Just like all in a row, she's had consecutive singles at number one. 
Solo. So solo. we have to preference that. Female so, we solo. Have to yes. We have to preference that because AKB kind of rears his head every so often. Yes. But for, for a female, female solo, solo artist, yes. she is the queen. You cannot deny that. Yep. Yeah, and you, I mean, we haven't seen someone beat her. I mean, if she still released physical singles, who knows how many she'd have. But we'll get into that later. So this kind of marked, you know, getting prepared for her next album. So she in 09, she released her 47th single, You Were Ballad. And this, of course, made it to number one. This is a winter title. They're both winter songs, and they're absolutely gorgeous. I really enjoyed both of them. And the covers are so pretty with her laying in, like, a white outfit in a white snow. So on April 14, 2010, she released her 11th studio album, Rock and Roll Circus. This album was recorded in London, and all the music videos were shot in London as well, along with the the, the covers and a booklet. So this album did peak at number one on the Oricon, making it the first making IU the first solo female artist to have ten number one studio albums as well. So not only does she do that with singles, she knocked it out of the park with studio albums as well. And there, I can see other artists eventually taking this record, but we'll have to see in time. Rock and Roll Circus, I kind of wanted to touch on this because this is a really, really odd album. It Within this album, it goes through several, st- several style changes in one freaking album. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. It certainly does. It's like, I do like this album. Oh, and this has sexy little things, not next level. I got them mixed up. Eh. So, it's okay. But I always forget, I just know I don't like that song. But this is a really interesting album. I mean, it goes from Microphone and Countdown, which were hev- heavily rock influenced, to... Which I love. Oh, yeah, yes. I love those. They're, they're great. Yeah. And I love Don't Look Back. Now, once you get into her ninth song, Jump, it takes a yep. weird turn. You hear Jump, you hear Lady Dynamite and Sexy Little Things, and you're like, what the hell did I just listen to? In my personal opinion, it, it the album ends at 8. <laughs> <laughs> it ends at Don't Look Back, and I just don't... Don't Look I Back. Don't, Rock and Roll Circus is a I mini album, look, right? I don't look back. <laughs> I don't look back, because if I were to just take the first eight songs from this album this album would have been my number one album i i love all the songs on it and probably the last part of her her later stuff that i actually really really do like however from nine on i i can't i will say say sunrise love is all is really good but it doesn't belong in the album so it doesn't. it doesn't. So I love that song and as a single, it's great because it's a summer song and it's fun and it makes you want to get up and dance. You were is a great winter ballad. So I don't really consider that fully being on the album, but it's like the sequel, you know, the prequel to ballad and you were yes fits. I do love meaning of love, but it doesn't quite, you know, it, it could have worked if nine through 11 or 9 through 12 were not on that album. Although I also oh, like Red Line for Team IU. I do like that one too. But I feel like part, a lot of those songs needed to be pulled out as they didn't fit with the theme of the album at all. It went from, you know, halfway through just a different style. 
Well, this is also, I mean, we haven't got to it yet. I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but this is also not the only album where she's made that mistake. Yes. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about that later. And this one, (laughs) I can, if you take away 9 through 11, I would love this album more because those are the three things I don't care about. Mm. I love Sunrise Love is All It Doesn't Fit, but if you took away 9 through 11, this would probably be one of my top albums. So that was, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's always going to be songs you don't like on it, but that kind of, those songs kind of killed it for me. So we're going to jump into... Love Songs, her 50th single, yeah, you heard me, 50th, her remix album box set, which this is the only remix thing I'm going to touch on because she has so many gosh darn remix albums. And I will say this, I highly recommend all her nonstop mega mix ones because they are fan flippin' tastic. And also we'll touch on an engagement. So, in uh, July 2010, she released her 47th single, Moon Blossom, which hit number one, and this became a first special release project, which is going to lead up to her 50th single. So, she did these all in a row. She did Moon Blossom, then she did Crossroad, and then she did L. So, Crossroad was released the 22nd, and then her 50th, L came out a week later. So Crossroad actually contained a special music video on there, which was Blossom. And this video was the first video that did not star IU in it since her music video connected. Instead, Blossom featured Jay Jung from DBSK. Which, when I was watching it the other day, I kept staring. And I'm like, he looks really familiar. Who is he? And then I realized, oh... Toho Shinki. And the music video for Blossom is really, really sad and depressing, but it's a really good song. So in L, um, it's actually, she titled it L as L is the Roman numeral for 50. And this is the single that actually broke Matsuda Seiko's record of consecutive singles, as it became IU's 25th consecutive single at number one. And it's been that way since, and it's never been broken since 1988. So, that's a pretty darn big deal for her, and I know I touched on that earlier, so. Uh, And this led up to her 12th album, which is Love Songs. This came out December 2010, and this is the first album of IU's debut with sales less than 200,000 in the first week. So, you can see from her other album, Next Level, went from 400,000, and this went below 200,000. And this was released in more than one edition, too. I have the CD plus DVD edition. And it still, it did make number one in Oricon, but it just didn't make the sales that she used to. And this album is, it's one I do tend to forget about, but it does have some really good songs on it. Like, I love Moon. Moon is amazing. And that's the one song I always remember off this album. And when I go back and listen to it, I'm like, oh, this is a really good album, but I forget about a lot of them. I do remember Blossom, and I always remember Seven Days War, as that is a cover of the, a TM Network song. Hmm. But I feel like this is a very forgettable album. No, you're you're very right about that. Blossom is the only song that stands out from me, from this song, album particularly. This album and I want to say Love Again. I, I don't know. There's like maybe one or two songs that I can possibly name off of those albums. And the rest is kind of just 
a blur. Yeah, I can name and that's, Moon and Blossom. That's not a knock towards her. It's not a knock towards her, trust me, because she has, like, at this point in her career, 50, uh, 50 singles. And that's nothing to sneeze at right there. But this album particularly is so weird. I just, I, I don't, I don't know why. It is. I know. I agree. It's a very odd album. And it's one I tend to forget about this one and love again. Those are the two I forget about. Well, for me personally, I, the biggest issue I had with this album, because I didn't like it either. And I would go so far as to say I don't remember anything off the album because it they're all really a lot of the songs to me just really sounded the same. Yep. They, there's not a, a variety difference, and it's long. It, it is a long album. I, like I remember when I was listening to it, you know, I was like, oh man, I've been listening to this song, this this album for a while. You know, I wonder what song I'm on because I would listen to them in chronological order, and. You know, I'd still be on the fourth song, and there's 17 of them. I'm like, what? So, yeah, it, for, for me, I, it's just, the, like, I was like, I, I need a break. I, 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 this is the one album I took three breaks to get through because it, it just, it was, it just felt all the same. It's like, I guess Moon was a beautiful song. I don't know. I don't remember it. It does nothing to stand out from the song before it or the song after it. And that is true from the first song to the last. Yep. And I, I agree with you on this. Um, the reason Moon stood out to me is I love the music video. And if it weren't for that music video, it probably wouldn't stand out. It's a very, very dark video. And Blossom had a very different, you know, very dark tone to it as well. So I felt those stood out, but this whole album sounded the same. As you're going through it, you can't remember what song you're listening to. And that was my main issue with this album. If it weren't for the music videos, I probably wouldn't remember what song was what. <laughs> yeah. So it's unfortunate, but I mean, I still own it. And I'm not getting rid of it, but it's just a very forgettable one of hers so but thanks to this album she actually had met a man that she ended up announcing that she would be marrying and it was australian actor and model manuel schwartz aka manny so he actually appeared in several of the music videos on love songs and i know one of them was virgin road and i think it was also was virgin road sweet season and Last Angel, if I'm correct. And so he appeared in those, so she met him, and I guess they really hit it off. Well, so January 1st, she announced that on her blog that they were going to be married, and then January 2nd, she did marry him. She married him at an obscure chapel in Las Vegas. Of course. <laughs> so it was very shocking to her fans that, one, she kind of married a foreigner, which is really odd, especially, you know, she doesn't really go outside Japan that much, I feel like. And we'll talk about this a little bit later on, because we'll see how this marriage goes. But back in, not too long after this was released, March 30th, 2011, she was supposed to be releasing a special remix box set called IU Mix Limited Complete Box Set, which is freaking glorious. It has five remix albums, and four of those are original, one of those is like a bonus non-stop mega mix, and... 
she had not released a trance album since 203, so it was kind of a big deal. You could buy all these ones separately, but if you wanted that bonus CD, you had to get that big box set. And it also came in an LP-shaped packaging with LP-sized mini posters with all her previous remix albums covers and alternate covers, which have never been released. And this got pushed back due to the Tohoku... The, 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 oh God, I can't talk tonight. The Tohoku earthquake. And she wanted a way to release this because she didn't want to force a release with something so drastic going on. And this will actually lead up into our the next era, which is her... Which is her power... I call it her power of music era. So after Love Song, she planned to do an arena tour to promote it. But due to the Tohoku earthquake, she decided to scrap that idea she wanted to change the concept of the tour and wanted to do something more intimate and personal for her fans instead of promoting her album, Love Songs. She wanted to do something to help others instead of trying to, you know, make her other albums sell better. So in August, uh, in, uh, so she did this Power Music tour, which I, I do own it on Blu-ray, and it is really beautiful. It's a very personalized tour, very small and I really liked it. The song choices she picked were really good. And it's one of her best tours to date, in my opinion. I highly recommend picking it up. It's not as much stylized like her others. So. And also in that year, she decided to release her second mini-album. Technically her third overall, if you include Nothing from Nothing. And this is her first mini-album in eight years. It reached number one on the Oricon charts. It is five. It sold 214,000 copies, which is better than Love Song sold. So a mini album beat out her studio album. So, Yikes. Which is, yes, exactly. Which does not look good, but it sold so well, she ended up releasing another edition of it three months later in Blu-ray format, which was a first for her. So she, before she just did CD-DVD formats. But this is also an album that didn't have any previous singles released which is amazing because it sold more than Love Songs. But I feel like Five was really good, and it also, the main song on their progress was used for Tales of Exilia, the theme. I feel like that helped it sell as well, and it also had a song featuring Juno and Urata Naoya from AAA, Attack All Around. So, this is the first album since Misunderstood to stay at number one for two consecutive weeks. So, and we're going to jump into the next release. She released January 1st, 2012. I remember when this came out because I wanted it, but I couldn't afford to pay $250 for this set. It is her A-complete clip box set on Blu-ray, which contained every single music video from 1998 to 2011. Plus, it featured, like, TV commercials, and director interviews. This set is glorious. I do have a copy now. Back then, I could not pay $250. I paid $70 on Yahoo Auctions Japan. I'm happy I have it. I will say this, though. Do not pay the full price because the music videos, Avix did the worst freaking job encoding it, and it looks like all her early releases were ripped from a VHS. They are not remastered at all. The quality is not good. Her later releases look amazing on it because they were filmed in a higher quality. The other ones, no. So I would not pay the full price for this. If I would have paid a full 250 I would have been pretty damn pissed. 
But the set itself is absolutely beautiful. It comes in a chipboard box, four Blu-rays, and mine has the little bag because I got the first pressed edition. So I did want to talk about that just because I feel like releasing a whole clip box set like that is also a big landmark. Um, now we're going to kind of jump into not too long after. So she's been married for a year. So she just announced that I'm getting a divorce. <laughs> She pretty much stated that it was, he wanted her to move to the U.S. where he resided. She didn't want to. They also had a different in values as they saw things differently. And she felt like everything that she initially wanted in a marriage was all a dream. And when she finally got married, it bursted her bubble in a little way that it wasn't what she thought and wasn't the fairy tale that she thought. And also with the earthquake in Japan, she realized she wanted to be with her family and she'd like to be with her people and stay in her homeland. So she chose Japan over her own marriage. So that ended with Manuel. So we're going to jump in to the next stage, which we discussed a little earlier. So Party Queen and A Summer Best, which I'll touch on a little. So in 2012, she released her, her third digital single, How Beautiful You Are, and followed it up with her 13th studio album, Party Queen, a month later. So this is the first time she released a studio album without any physical singles to promote it. And Party Queen was the second album to not reach number one on the charts. And it also did not sell over 100,000 copies on its debut. And we know why, because I'm sure we all have the same opinions on this album. It was a hot mess. I will say the first couple songs were really good. Like, really, really good. After that, it went into what the hell just happened. <laughs> That's pretty much how I felt. I loved the first three, maybe even like the first four songs. Like you could kind of stretch it a little bit. But this album's like 17. 14. 14. Still, like, because like, this is um, a drastically different style. I mean, this is very like hip hop, dance, R&B heavy style music. And jazz. Yeah. Jazz in it. Yeah, they just throw like a little jazz. And it's just like, you know, okay, we've done like the four songs. We're going to go back to, uh, well, I don't know. It is all over the place. Because I I love the first, like, yeah, three or four songs. Um, I think Letter was the last song I loved, which is track six, because that stood out too. But like, Na 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 Na, Party Queen, Shake It, you know, the first not even half, you know, the album was really good. And then after six, I, I don't know what I was listening to when it got into the next love and I smoke magic. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. That the, the, I think like the last three songs on this are really, really weird because it's, it's almost uh it's almost like a 50 style. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it was, like, I didn't know what I was listening to. I thought I switched albums for a second. And then it follows it up with the last track being How Beautiful You Are, which should be further up because yeah. that song was really good. It, it doesn't even match the two songs that preceded it. No. And, and, and it's, it's weird because like she'll go from one album where you can kind of criticize her for being samey. And then it, you have another album where it's all over the place. It's like there's three and like... And I'm like, you can you can pick a style and you know, just like Ken was getting at earlier, like if she just stick to it for the full album, let's do a full it doesn't have to be, you know, ten plus. Like do do eight, do do nine, do ten. 
do do just a solid number and do a full album because like you can see sort of like some genesis of like some really really good ideas in some of these albums that never come to fruition because you only get a couple of, of songs like she could do a whole concept album if she wanted to she's got the sway and pull she could do that but she doesn't and yeah i'm like it can't be well she goes back to her whole her old style or her her, she makes things up for sales numbers or anything because clearly it's not working so i i don't know i i i don't know bad direction pr i i don't know Who's the producer? We can blame him. It's Max Matsura. He's always the producer. Let's blame <laughs> him. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure at this point, she's doing whatever she wants. Um, yeah. If she want to do something different, she could be doing it to piss Avix off. Who knows? I I just feel like this was a experimental album, too. It was something very different. Unfortunately, it didn't yeah. work to my liking. And I'm sure it looked like Japan didn't care for it either with the sales. I do own it though. I do have the the limited edition, one of the limited edition versions, not the one with the goods because I couldn't afford that. But it was just very disappointing. So. <sighs> so, with this, like I said, if she just did the full album, like she did with Party Queen, just Party Queen in general, mm-hmm. just the song. If she just based the entire album off that, because that's supposed to set the mood, as mm-hmm. Gray was kidding on earlier. If she did the entire album like that, then this would have been fine. Because then there wouldn't have been that drastic shift in style, which is so weird. I just don't know what happened. I... Because just have. Just having the first, like, four or five songs, if that, having its own different style and just evolution from that, which is great. I love that. But then it just, the tonal shift back is kind of jarring, in my opinion. It's completely jarring. Mm -hmm, I agree. I agree 100% with that. And this is another re-listen, and I hadn't listened to it in a while, and, and then I remembered the reason I, the problem I had with it when I initially listened to it. So, it's very unfortunate. Um, so this one, she didn't really do a tour for Party Queen. Instead, she did it for Love Songs. So she pretty much did a reimagined version of her postponed tour, Love Songs, and I don't blame her for not doing one for Party Queen with how this turned out. <laughs> So, um, not too long after this was released, she released A Summer Best, which I freaking love because I love her summer songs. They are so much fun and always put me in a great mood. And this one also unfortunately failed to reach number one, which I'm not too surprised. It is a compilation album of summer songs and it was released August 8th. I felt like it should have been released more in July for it to maybe hit that peak. Of sales. So, not too long after this, she actually released that she was dating her dancer, Motto. And, unfortunately, I'm just going to break the news to you now. This didn't work out. A year later, they broke up. And it's just a lot of complicated issues. So. So, next up, we go to her 15th anniversary. 
So, to commemorate her 15th anniversary in the music industry, she announced that she would release five consecutive releases on the 8th of each month, from November to February, and she chose the 8th because the 8th of April was actually in Poker Face was released, so choosing the 8th was, you know, like a commemorative thing. So, the first two releases were actually mini-albums. The first one was Love, the second one was Again. She followed up by releasing A Classical, which was her second or third classical album she's done, and I love her classical albums, they're really good. She followed that up by doing her fourth studio album, Love Again, which as you can see, combination of the two mini-albums, and it included all the songs off the mini-albums. And she finished it up with her fifth release, which was her Arena Tour 2012 Hotel Love Songs in DVD and Blu-ray. So, my issue with Love Again is... It was very forgettable, like we discussed with love songs. I can't really name one song off Love Again, except I think Snowy Kiss was on that album. Yeah, uh, I think Snowy Kiss is on that album. Yeah, because Snowy it's Kiss, like yeah. the one song that stands out. Yep. It really is. Like, it's, it's the only song. Other than oh, that, it's completely forgettable. I think You and Me was the other song that I remembered. And the other reason I remembered You and Me is I think it was released also on her her A Summer Best album. It was an original song that was included on A Summer Best, which is why I remembered it, but it doesn't fit with Love Again at all. So this is a extremely forgettable album, unfortunately, and I mean it's a she had beautiful covers for it and mine came with a little keychain, but it's an album that I, I can't tell you, you know, it's a disappointing album for her 15th anniversary. It doesn't have any resemblance to her old style, which I guess shows her evolution that she's evolved from what she is now. But at the same time, I kind of, I just, I just can't, I just, something about this album is just very forgettable, unfortunately. But it did, I mean, it did, it was her 20th album to reach the top 20 Oricon, uh, the Oricon Top 20, and it made her the third, the third artist with over 20 number one albums in Japan, and with Bees and Ma, uh, Matsuyo Yumi holding the records for one and two. So that's pretty darn good for in 14 years and 10 months. She's had 20 albums at number one. And that's amazing. And that includes Studio and Mini and Best. But that is pretty dang amazing. Um, and, I mean, she talked about the album herself. And she said, you know, she used all her strengths of the album and she wanted people to listen to it. So she's very, she's very happy people have supported her for all these years. And she's really happy that she was able to set a record thanks to the fans. And she's glad that this marked her 15th anniversary. But I... I just feel like this album wasn't very commemorative and very memorable, unfortunately. I don't even think of it as a 15th anniversary album, to be honest. So, very unfortunate. So, but she did announce that she would be doing her 15th anniversary tour, which is very memorable and amazing, I will say that. So, fans were allowed to vote for a vote on songs. They could pick three songs per day, and it was held in a three-day event. started April 1st. So on April 3rd, all the voting results were concluded, and the results consisted of 50 songs that people picked, one including Kanaria, which was never performed live before. 
So the Blu-ray for this is amazing and comes in a limited edition packaging. I bought this day one. I had pre-ordered it. And it's a very memorable tour. I just wish if her 15th anniversary album and that promotion she did was more memorable than this. So very disappointing. And I, I know you, you know, Gray, you talked about that. You agree that the only thing you remembered was Snowy Kiss. And I, yeah. I agree. So and yeah. I'm sure, Ken, you probably have the same feelings as us. Yeah, I kind of do. <laughs> so, um, I know we're kind of running short on time, so I'm going to try to... We still got a couple more albums to cover. As you can see, IU has an extensive discography, and we've been trying to do our best to cover them all. We're going to dip into our next album, Colors, which is a very experimental album. This did not do very well in the charts. It actually came in at number five and sold only about 50,000 copies. Which is very, very detrimental. It you can she did do a collaboration with Verbal on Merry Go Round from Mflow. This is a very mm -hmm. interesting album. I personally like this, but this is the album that got me to get out of her originally. And I came back in way later. So I won't talk about this one too much, but it's one I personally really like now, but it's a very odd album. And after that No I did you want to... I definitely agree. It's it's a very odd album. I didn't like it at all. It's an album that really stands out because it feels like it's something completely different than she's done before. She uses a lot of English in this album. And it's a really odd style. So, and when she jumps into her next one, A1, you see another style change. But this goes back to more of, I call this more relaxing, like soft rock. And I did like A1, but I feel like this is a little bit forgettable, besides a few songs on here. I really did like The Gift, which J.J. Lin did write for her, and he's a Chinese singer. Uh, they performed, they did the music video together, but this album also did not do very well. It only sold 35,000 copies week one, and only sold about 52,000 by the year's end. And, I mean, it's a good album. But I don't always remember the songs off of it. So I feel like this is also a very forgettable one, unfortunately. And then she did do, she released her next album, actually a mini album called Six. Which she releases months after A1. And this is her sixth mini album in overall in general. And it, it, was, it did pretty good on the Oricon. It did not make number one. It sold about 30,000 copies week one. And finished off at 45,000, but still not great. I want to say one thing, though. This mini-album was really, really good. Except the third song on this mini-album. You mean Sayonara? What's special? Yes. That song could just shove it, honestly. It's the only I... one it didn't fit with the album. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love this. I particularly love this album because I was like, oh... This is her style now, and I kind of don't mind that because it kind of harkens back to her old style. And then the third song comes out of nowhere and just rails me to the wall of like, yeah, we're going to do this now. Yep, and and I, I agree with that too. So, But in general, if it weren't for that song, it was a really, really good album. So... And she jumps into 2017 with her seventh studio album and her last studio album to date. And it was released a month early on streaming, released physically a month after. 
first, this is the first studio album to not enter the Oricon Top 100 Albums of the Year. It only made number two in the Oricon charts and then just significantly dropped. It only sold about 40,000 copies by the end of the year. So it's one of our lowest selling studio albums to date. And I, I mean, Made in Japan, there's maybe the first three songs are amazing. And then the oh, rest yeah. of it, I don't remember. <laughs> That's my issue with it. Like the first three songs, I love. The rest of it just dropped off. And I couldn't tell you what they are. But Warning and No Future are so freaking good. And Mad World, oh, Mad World is amazing. I love Mad World. But it's very sad to see that, you know, a lot of her stuff later has become forgettable and less iconic than her early stuff. Um, it was also announced in 2017, not too long. It was around the same time she released Spain Japan, but she announced that she's going completely deaf. During finishing up her tour, she pretty much collapsed and felt very nauseous, had vertigo, extreme dizziness, and said that and her right ear is quickly weakening, and, and it's due to her de- left, her left ear is completely deaf, she can't hear in it, so she relied on her right ear, and now she's losing all her hearing at an alarming rate. This pretty much put her in a really big depression you can tell and it's really hurt her in general as she's so used to being on stage and being with her fans that this is what she loves so she it's been very hard on her and you can see she's had a lot of hashtags on twitter with sacrifice and recently she switched it up to just the beginning as she's realizing she can't do anything about her going deaf but she can at least do the best she can right now so she's gonna keep trying to make music no matter what and I'm very sad to hear that because she's been such an iconic person in the music industry but she did show that she's not slowing down because this year to commemorate her 20th anniversary she released Trouble which is her seventh mini album overall um, this did have two uh, previous singles one being a digital single one being a concert single uh, unfortunately, the album did not make number one in Oricon, and it only sold about 30,000 copies, which is really disappointing. Um, yeah, it's very surprising. We were there covering yep. it, and it was so surprising to see. I I don't know what happened. It's not specifically her, because Kotokumi got hit by this, too. Yeah. And I, well, one, I feel like it's the Mumo exclusive issue is because I can't get a copy of the Mumo exclusive, which come with a Blu-ray of her Just the Beginning tour. I had to buy the Taiwan edition. So I want to see how the sales in Asia did for this because I'm sure they were significantly greater. In Japan, they only released two regular editions. And if you had, if you could do Mumo, you could buy the Mumo editions for a hundred bucks each. I feel like that killed it. I feel like that killed it. Yeah. Right there, if they would have released regular editions with CD and DVD like Taiwan did, she probably would have gained more sales from it. Same with Kodakumi in a way, too, because of how some of her releases were, but this probably killed it for IU. Although I will say there wasn't that much promotion for this album. For example, there was only a digital song and an exclusive concert song, you know, We Are the Queens, which is amazing. And I really thought Trouble was very good. We Are the Queens really stood out to me, and I loved it when I first heard it. But it's just, you know, a little 
disappointing that her 20th anniversary, her album doesn't sell very well, and it really showed her decline in sales and popularity, so. But, and, and she did, also did do a Defend Paris collaboration for the 20th year. If you went to her tour, you were able to purchase t-shirts and merchandise with Defend Paris, so it's, she's the first Asian celebrity to join this campaign, which is, it, which is helping bring people together to support the LGBT community, along with women who really need the support as, you know, it's a male-dominated society, and it's, in general, this is to help minorities and help raise awareness. And it also shows that, hey, she really cares about everyone, and it doesn't matter who you are. So I thought this was a really yeah. neat campaign, and she's always been a really big supporter of this and trying to raise awareness for everyone, so... But with that, that's pretty much her whole career, and we are going to dive into our top five favorite songs, and we're going to start with Ken. Yeah, so we're going to do this a little differently this time around, so we're just going to kind of go off our list first, and then we're just going to talk about it. So we're going to go from my five, four, three, two, one, and just we're going to talk about it. So it's a little bit different how we're doing it this time around. Hopefully you kind of like that. I'm not too sure how people are going to like it, but hopefully you guys do. And let's start with my honorable mention, which is a lovely song. Probably the last song from her older style that I did like, which is Vogue. I really do like that beginning, like Middle Eastern theme hint of it. And just her vocals kind of make this song all so much. It's I could change this in my actual number five song on a whim. With that, let's go down to my number five, which is Days. And number five, number four, and my number six song can actually just change on a whim. Because these songs are very, very strong in my mind. And I really love ballads. Especially with female vocalist ballads. If you guys been listening for a while now, you know that I really do like ballad songs, especially during the winter time. My entire like winter song stuff was all ballads for the most part. But Days encompasses her old style, which I could just listen to every day of the week. And you know, watching the music video for this, it brings a a lovely tear down my eye because it's. It's very depressing if you guys watch it. It's available on YouTube. All Most of her music videos are, yes. actually. So, Evix has been very, very gracious to do that for us. But this this song, it just brings a, a tear from my eye every single time I, I watch the music mu- video. Especially that ending. Oh, my God. I just I get so sad. <laughs> I know. I do too. I I understand your feelings on this song every time I watch it, and I get that tear feeling. And I think me and you might have some of the fa- our our top songs in our five. <laughs> <laughs> I love Days, and I bought both editions of the single because it is a beautiful song, even though it's so sad and so depressing. But it is so good. But yeah, with that, let's move on to my number four, which is Momentum. And this is probably one of my favorite winter songs by IU. And it's 
one of the last songs that I actually do like from her mid aughts, mid to late aughts of her her style change. And it encompasses her old singing style just just a little bit. And you know, specifically with her ballads, they like to do that. And that's what draws me into these songs all so much. But yeah. Going on up to my number three, which is Dearest. And this is the song that had originally turned me on to IU in the first place. The intro with the piano and the slow melody is just perfect in every way. And it really shows IU's talents as a ballad singer. This, this song encompassed my entire ride of going to school. Well, that and the entire Inuyasha soundtrack, to be honest there. But... Just listening to this song, just you can tell the emotions that she had in this song. And I'm the same with you in this boat. Is this was one of the first songs that I heard by her. This is the first song I heard by her. Same, same. It it is the first song I heard from her. It just made me fall in love. Granted, <laughs> her style change kind of brought me out of it, but. Her early stuff is just so good because of that. Yeah. And this this was the pinnacle of it, so to speak. And going on up to my number two is M. And her powerful vocals just make this song. Just hearing all the emotion that she puts into this specific song draws me, draws me to it all the time this is my number one but number one is a specific reason why but and watching the music video just seeing her in that dress is drop 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 dead gorgeous it's an amazing wedding dress if you guys have the chance go and watch it i agree I love M and that and check out some of the live performances of that song because oh my god the dresses she wears for those performances are just beautiful and with that let's move on to my number one which is boys and girls just hearing this song just makes me remember how much japan really really loves Eurobeat, and this is coming off of the huge craze that they had for it in the late 90s and early thousands and it really did help out her so- this song specifically early on in her career but the lyrics that they use this song and just the com- composition that they did for this song particularly I just love and it just hearing her say la, 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 just brings chills down my spine because I love this song This I listen to this song every morning because it's a very high energetic song and it just wakes me up and I just love it just driving down Waikiki going to work blasting this song just makes my day because I know for a fact that listening to this high energy song will help me get through it and I agree I love boys and girls it is it is an amazing song and it's one of my favorite ones to watch live and with that, let's move on to Luna. My my top five, and actually I have way more than five, so I can't just choose five IU songs. 
that's all I'll say about that. So I have a, the I, these can change, rotating into my top five anytime. To be honest, it depends on really what I'm feeling. So I'm gonna give a lot of my honorable mentions, that can easily switch up my top songs, and I'm gonna start with a few. So there are actually three songs off my story, that I absolutely there's more actually than three off my story, but these are my latter three or like replace, humming seven four. And why did I write that twice? And also, uh, moments. And I like my story had some really standout tracks on there, and those are some of my honorable mentions. I will talk about moments for a few minutes because moments is a very beautiful and iconic song. And as soon as you hear the music cue and you hear her sing la 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 la, you hear the you know at the beginning her laws matching up with the music and it sets the tone for the song with the piano. It is amazing. And this is just a great song in general. I know there are a lot of fan made videos using the song for anime and that's where I heard it actually is I heard it on a fan made video for full metal alchemist and I fell in love with the song. I'm like, this is a glorious song and it's beautiful. And I still, this is an interchangeable song for me cause it's so good. And some of my other honorable mentions, one is Everywhere Nowhere, which is from Rainbow. That song really stood out to me, and Rainbow did have some really good tracks. This was one of the ones that stood out more to me than anything on that album. Along with We Wish and Real Me and Free and Easy were also great tracks off that album. Very energetic, fun songs that I absolutely adore. And I did choose one from Rock and Roll Circus. Actually, two from Rock and Roll Cir Circus. One was Sunrise Love Is All. I love this song because it's so much fun. And especially with the video, you just see her on... There's all these piers up there. She's on one of them. It's like she's singing a live tour. You see all her fans below. Beautiful scenery. And this song always gets my spirits up. It is a happy, upbeat, fun summer song. And it always cheers me up. It's a great song to listen to in the morning, which is why I love it. And the other song off that one was Together When. And I talked about this a little bit earlier. It is a ballad, and it is a really gorgeous but sad ballad. And whenever you hear her start singing the chorus of that, I just start, you know, getting all teary-eyed. It especially shows in her live performance of the song. I freaking cried my eyes out when she did this one with Heaven. I was just bawling. It was so beautiful. Um, I will say Endless Sorrow is another one that this can be switched out any day with my top five. I really like the video of this and it expresses her emotions in this song so much. And in that music video, which is available on YouTube, you really see her kind of climbing up to the you see her kind of watching this little boy. It revolves around all these people who want to speak up, but they can't. So every time they try to speak, someone, like, cuts their throat, cuts, like, their vocal cords out of their throat so they can't talk. And, you know, you see this little boy trying to talk and point up to this top of this tower, and they're all shushing him, you know, like, hey, you can't speak, or they'll take away your voice. So this song really showcases what she was going through, that she didn't have a voice in her career at this time. This was off I Am, and she was trying to take control of her career. So this shows that she, she, what she was going through and the emotions about not having a voice and wanting a say in something, which is one of the reasons I really, really enjoy the song. It's beautiful. And I love the video because it has such amazing lyrics too. 
Um, another song that I highly enjoyed, which this was all guilty, was Marionette. And this video used to scare me as it was really weird seeing her as a doll and the movements, like the jerking movements of a marionette freaked me out. But I love this song as it was a very unique standout song on this album and I love the intro leading up to it. So this was another interchangeable one of mine. Um, a lot of songs off her first album were very interchangeable, such as You, Poker Face, Trust, those are such amazing songs. And then we go into Love Appears. Fly High was one I had trouble. I really want it in my top five. But I could interchange it with some of the other songs because I was listening to it today. It's a high energy song. Really gets you pumped. And whenever I hear that, I think, oh my god, this, this is a, such a great song. And Evolution is another amazing song. This was off I Am. It is another high energy pump song and you hear her like the lyrics for this are really hard to keep up with but by god this song has some great music to it and define some of the euro pop as well and this is man i got so many songs i want to talk about hanabi part two which i touched on earlier was from memorial dress this is a powerful ballad that all the emotion you see in that video that she has it really touches you and I love the original version of Hanabi, but I love part two a little bit more. And it is just glorious in its own aspect. Two of my other favorite songs, honorable mentions, are Bluebird and Glitter. These are my upbeat, fun summer songs that I love listening to, especially Bluebird. It gets me in this great summer mood. Pump for summer. So excited. It just, it, it's a happy, fun song. And the video is glorious. And I'm going to put Fairyland in there because this was a song that really helped turn me on to IU. And actually, her whole Misunderstood album really did. So many of those songs are honorable mentions to me because it really, really got me to love her. Fairyland was one of them because I watched that video nonstop. It is one of the most beautiful videos I've ever seen. It, I could watch it all day and just looking at it, how her dancers are in sync, the island she's on, how beautiful she looks, the water, the song. Beautiful, beautiful, relaxing, peaceful song. And Is This Love is another one off Misunderstood that I fell in love with. It's a powerful, I would say, kind of like a rock, soft rock type song. And it, it is just, I can't. I don't know if words can describe the song itself, but she has her soft vocals in there with the sound of more heavy beat instruments, and it mixes so well with that song. So I'm going to get into my top five, and one of them is going to tie for my fourth song because I could not decide. So I'm going to start with my number five. Sorry, guys, you had to hear all my honorable mentions. My fifth song is the same as Ken's. It is Days. This is, as soon as I heard the song on release, I had to get it. I bought both singles, both editions, which came in a beautiful packaging, and this song is a beautiful winter song. This has always been one of my top winter songs I listen to. It's really, really sad, but absolutely beautiful in the video. It makes you feel so many emotions as she's pretty much in love with this guy and every day she looks so forward to spending time with him and hangs out with him, you know, goes on motorcycle rides. You know, you see him going to pick out jewelry together 
And she really thinks that, you know, hey, he likes me. And then when you get to the end of the video, you really see the disappointment and heartbreak. And it's more of like a one-sided love. And that he already has someone. And when you see the face of disappointment and sadness. And it just, I just, my heart just melts in the song. And it does, like Ken said, sounds like her old style. It is... I cannot describe how beautifully sad the song is. I listen to it every winter, and I probably know all the lyrics to it. The video is glorious. The song, I, I cannot speak enough about this one. I, I could listen to this all day, every day. <laughs> so my fourth one is a tie, and I'm going to talk about both because I feel like I have to talk about both of these songs. So M, of course, this was one of Ken's too. M is one of my favorite, I call it like a power ballad song. You hear her powerful vocals in this song. You see her dressed, this beautiful white wedding dress. She looks so beautiful in it. And whenever she gets to the chorus and starts singing it, it it just melts my heart. It's, it, it is an amazing power ballad. And I feel like this is one of her most iconic songs, especially as this is the first song she wrote and composed the music herself. It also holds a special place to me as it felt like a big, you know, career turner for her. And you can hear all the emotions in this song. It, it's, it's always been one of my favorite early IU songs that I heard. I heard this along with Dearest and I listened to these two always on I Am. The tiebreaker for this is Heaven. I have always loved Heaven. And this song always gets to me and melts my heart in a chorus to the point I lately, whenever I hear it, I cry. I sit there and cry in tears. Because it talks, it just, just how the lyrics are and talking about, you know, how all this time you spend together and then next thing you know they're gone and they're... And they're on their way, you know, to heaven and, you know, that they're gone. And, you know, I've lost a lot of people this year who I was close, close with. So, to me, this song emotionally really gets to me and makes me just cry. And when I saw the live performance that she did for one of her tours, I just sat there and the melody and just cried my eyes out. And so this song has a lot of emotional connection with me. And the, and you can hear it in her lyrics. And when she performs this live, you can see her just crying. And she resonates with all the fans as they can feel her pain. And they feel the emotions that she's gone through. So that's how, to me, it really gets to me. And I feel that. I feel the song within my bones so much that it just, you know, emotionally makes me break down and I guess that's a good thing that a singer can just register with you so much in a song that you just feel it and you can feel what they were going through and that's what this song does to me so I had to put it in there um so my next one is a lot more upbeat and happy and it is boys and girls whenever I hear the song I'm happy this is an upbeat exciting fun euro dance beat song and this was a standout song from Love Appears. It is amazing. And seeing this live is even better because she gets into so into the song with her fans. Has so much fun. They all sing the lyrics along with her. They're up in their seats. 
you can tell they love it as much as she does. It gets everyone energized. Whenever I see this live or I just hear the song, it puts a smile onto my face. And it makes me want to sing and dance along to this. You can tell this is just, it shows the energy and emotion she has also put into this song as well. And you feel it. It. I cannot speak enough about this was one of my favorite styles of her is this time in her life. And I love 90s J-pop. And this is probably the reason is I love the Eurobeat influence it has had. And she is one of the iconic singers for this. And Ken talked about it, probably gave a better description of it than I did. And me and him are both on the same wavelength in this song. My number two is actually Step You, which is one of the big reasons that got me to freaking love her. And this was Unmisunderstood. And this is one of the albums that really did make me love her because of this song. When I heard this single, I wasn't sold on some of her other stuff at first, but this one sold me. This was the selling point for me. And I just love the guitar in this song. I love it with her vocals. Whenever I hear the one, two, three, four, you and me, I just love it. The video is really creative. It's a very gothic feel to it. I love her different styles of it because when you when you hear her talk in the lyrics, she changes outfits four different times, has each a different personality to her. It, it's an amazing song, and I love the influence of it because it still has a little bit of her old style mixed in with her new style as well. It is a great influence, and I feel like this is a great starter if you want to get into IU as it's in between her old music and her new music. It's right in the middle at a peak where it is a good combination of both. So that's one of the reasons I absolutely adore it. And I still go back to the song all the time and have to listen to it more than once. So my number one is actually from her first album. And it is Depend On You. And I don't know what resonated me with this song. I think it was the 90s feel to it that made me grasp onto it so much. But... I could sing this song all day, every day. This is the song I listened to the most by her. And I probably didn't get into it until I bought her first album, which was after Misunderstood and I Am. And I fell in love with this song. It is just amazing. It, I, I can just, I got the chorus in my head right now. But it has the catchiest tune as soon as you hear that opening opening lyric. It catches you and pulls you into this song. And it is an amazing, fun song. I cannot speak enough about this one. And it's weird that this wasn't the first couple songs I heard by her. But it's still my favorite. And I think it just has this unique sound, this unique feel to it. Just made me really, really stick with it. And I felt the same way about Boys and Girls, honestly. Mm-hmm. Her songs, like a lot of her early songs especially, can catch you. Yes. And when it does, it grabs you and just hooks you in. It just makes you listen and appreciate what she has to say for the most part. Yes, I agree. And that's why Boys and Girls and Depend on You are like my early ones. They're amazing. And both of those stuck with me. And I don't know what it is about Depend on You that stuck with me, but something about that song just, like you said, it's it gra- it took a hold of me and I just can't let go of it. It it has this unique sound to it. And 
Boys and Girls does too, but some reason Depend on You just keeps popping up. <laughs> so, and it was a hard no. choice. Like, this is, Boys I, and Girls and Depend on You could switch depending on my day too. Yeah, going through and listening to her very first album, that was something that was kind of an eye-opener. And that if I could, I would try to want to pick a song from her very first album. Because Poker Face is a very solid song. However, from her early career, I don't know why. Just Boys and Girls just grabbed me. Just so much so. And, oh, it does. It's a very grabbing song. And that and Depend on You can switch on my day. Because both of those, like when I hear, when I hear Love Appears, I think Boys and Girls... And then the second song, I think, is Fly High. But those are the two songs that stick out so drastically. And when I hear a song for XX, the first thing I think is Depend On You, and then Poker Face, and then Trust. But, I mean, there's certain songs that when you hear an album title, you think of it. And these are the two highlights of that time for me. And I love those. And it, it, it was so hard to choose because I love Seasons and I love Far Away. I love, there's so many of her songs from her older career I absolutely love, but I guess these are the top five I've probably listened to the most. But as I said with my honorable mentions, man, I it was the hardest choice in my life. This was harder than Nakota Kumi podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard to believe. I, I think it was, because going back through and listening to all I use career, I didn't realize how many of these songs really resonated with me and how much I just love their lyrics so much. But um, we'll go on to Grace, as I know he has a lot varying lists from me and Ken, and I'm very excited to hear it. Yeah, my, my list is nothing like you, because <laughs> all he has focused <laughs> at the start of her career, and I'm like, uh, I'm around more the middle to the end. So, uh, my number five, well, my honorable mentions is, real quick, is Merry Go Around, because I love Verbal, and I'm really glad he showed up in that song. He's my favorite part about that song. Uh, Verbal is one of the dudes from M-Flow. So, although, uh, to be fair, I don't remember what album Merry Go Round's on. So. Colors. It was on Colors, and M-Flow actually produced that whole single, Merry Go Round, Feel the Love. Yeah, that 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 was I I I think that's the most redeeming song off that album was was Merry Go Round. I really really like that song. Um, my s- other honorable mention because I only have two is Fairyland, and I it was going to be in my top five. It, it's actually a long story. I I won't go into the details, but I do really enjoy Fairyland. I've not watched the music video. And I know, Luna, you were like, let me know when you see the music video. I want your opinion on it. I will let you know when I see the music video what I think of it. But I just haven't watched it yet. I, it's it's funny. I accidentally downloaded it on my phone, and I've yet to watch it. But I'm, I'm curious of your opinion because it's probably one of my favorite videos by her. It's so beautiful. Well, I, I'm mildly interested that you find that song relaxing, too. Because I yeah. don't. I, I don't find it relaxing. Not that it's unnerving or anything but it's upbeat enough to where i kind of get into it a little bit so i don't really think it's a relaxing song like it's got to be slow for me to be in order to be relaxing and the, the, the tempo and just the beat of the song is a little too quick for me to say that that's a relaxing song but the music video might make it relaxing because it, it, it is shot on a tropical island so you never know 
But moving on to my list, number five is a song called Beautiful Fighters. And this is on her secret album, if I remember yes. correctly. Yep. Uh, this is a this is a very interesting song. I when I first heard the song, I thought I was going to hate it because the opening of the song is really really weird. Like there's someone in the background, like, like they're kind of being auto tuned. I don't even know if he's singing in Japanese or English. It's it's kind of weird. But when I heard this song, I was like. I bet $4 this is going to be like She's So Out of Control by M-Flow because when I first heard that song, I hated the opening. I hated it with a passion. And then the main song kicked in and I loved it. And now I go back and listen to that song. I love the opening too. But the, the opening had to grow on me a little bit. And certainly enough, Beautiful Fighters followed that same pattern. Like once the main song kicks in and like she really gets singing, I really really love this song it's so good um it's got a good hook it's a fun song to listen to uh it's pretty upbeat and i it just it really hit me and this is this song i first heard it was really late at night i was trying to stay awake at work and this did the trick i was able to real you know come back out reawakened and i genuinely love this song and the you would think a song like beautiful fighters would be tonally and just a little different than what it it actually is so that was my number five song i really really enjoyed that song my number four song is the only ballad on my top five and that is no more words uh because a lot of Ayumi songs for me really fall in this weird place where it's like they're not quite slow enough for me to like them. Like, if they're a ballad, they've got to be slow. And outside of Dearest, Dearest is slow enough, but I still don't like the song. And I'm sorry. I know. It's loved. A lot of people love it. I don't. But this song right here for me is is insanely beautiful. I... I loved just how this song starts off. I love that, like, just the opening piano, just the way that it goes. And as the song does progress, the tempo does pick up a little bit because by, by the end of it, it is a different tempo. It's not the same speed it starts off in the beginning as. But it, it's such a beautiful song. It never loses that beauty in even when it starts picking up and uh, let's see sorry I was reading over my notes but yeah this song it, it's so good because I, I wasn't expecting it honestly it came out of left field I I I don't know why, but I was surprised. I legitimately was because, I mean, by this time I had heard a lot of her ballads and a lot of them just were never really hitting on much. And I was kind of just doomed to accept the fact that I'm probably just not really a huge uh, Ayumi Hamazaki ballad lover. But I, I think this song really showcases her range, her vocal range. And uh, I, I, I really, really liked it. And I'm actually surprised. I don't know if you guys 
liked it or not. Um, oh yeah, I yeah. love No More Words. It's such yeah. a beautiful ballad. It was on I I Am, if I'm correct. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It was on I Am. It's 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 really good. I, mm-hmm. Like ah, that I this is my favorite of her ballads. Uh, but moving on to number three is a song called Beautiful Day. And this, this song is the one immediately after Fairyland. And I knew in the beginning both of these songs are going to be in my top five. I, But the more I listened to Fairyland, the more I listened to Beautiful Day, Fairyland kind of fell out of the top five and Beautiful Day kept coming up the top five. So even though it's number three right now, I could see this taking two. I really could. I don't see it taking one because one is special to me. But a beautiful day is really, really good. It it is it's so upbeat. It's so fun, and it's uplifting. And that that's the kind of music I just very naturally gravitate toward. And I I do. I just I absolutely love this song from beginning to end. It really came to me in a time in my life where I have been feeling really depressed lately. And, you know, I, you know, there, there's been a lot of bad days as of late and, you know, even a bad day can be a beautiful day. It, it's, it's, it's all a perspective. It's all how you look at things. It's all how you choose to let things define you. And sometimes you're stuck in the weeds and you just, you just can't see it for the life of you. And sometimes you just need to be reminded of the simple little fact that, you know, you know, it's a beautiful day and, you know, it's not, you know, even if you're having a bad day, it's not the end of the world. It's just one day. So, you know, it, it kind of helps you appreciate what's in front of you. And the song just goes a long way to that. It really pulled me out of a funk when I was in one and, that alone just makes me love it. It just makes me love that song and it makes me want to hear it. It's like I got a couple of little Glee Monster songs that are auto-includes when I'm depressed and, and feeling down. This song's going to go in with those because it really helps impact me and keeps me moving. And I'm one of those people that music does that to me. It, it, it helps push me when... I'm struggling. It helps push me when I don't know when to take the next step. And so it's songs like this that really help do that. And I, I, I love this song. It, it's so good. And I, even, even though I'm going to, I, there's two songs higher on my list. If there is one song that I talk about today that you ever listen to, it would be this song because it's so good. And yeah, one and two, I do like a little bit more, but not much. And like I said, I could see this taking too easily, but right now too is still really cool. And I was listening to it on the way down because uh, I had a long drive today, and so I was listening to it again because I lo- I love the song the moment I heard it. But well, I'll get to it in a second. But beautiful day is really good. I I can't recommend this song enough. It, go listen to it. It's on secret. It's near the end of the album, but she, uh, she saved one of the better ones for last, and I, I definitely recommend this song. Moving on up to number two is, I, I guess I have a 
predistinction to really like songs by a particular title. In this case, it's Na Na Na. We'll, we'll be talking about another song called Na 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 in a week or two. But uh, this song is so cool. It, it is one of the like, highlights of her... Uh, was, I'm now guilt, missing the name. Party Queen. That's it. Party Queen. I thought it was Guilty Pleasure for some reason. Party Queen. Um, this is this song was like one of the highlights of Party Queen. I, I love this song. It, I I like the first song. Not the first time I heard it, but on I, I did hear it like twice because the, the album loops, and so I got to hear it twice. And I, I liked it a little bit more, but the first time I heard it, I didn't really like the first song. So I was like, man, this whole this whole album is just gonna be bad. And then I heard the second song and OMG, the song is so good. I love this song. This song is crazy nuts. Good. This it's na 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 is really, really cool. It's a dancing. It's high dance energy. Uh, there's a guy. He raps. He's in English literally the entire time. And, uh, like, it's just a cool song. I, I love it. I, I, there, nothing quite beats the feeling of you're in the car, you have the stereo mostly maxed out, and the song comes on, and, like, the bass and the rhythm and all that stuff just comes blaring over the radio. And all of a sudden, you're not in your car anymore. You're somewhere else. Somewhere spectacular. So... This song is really, really good, and I and it's not on the best album. We gave that album a lot of criticism, but it's worth checking out the album just for this song, in my opinion. This song's so good. I like a year or two ago, I would have hated this song with a passion, and it it's really the song like this has really shown me how much I've grown in my 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 like my music and styles and like just the experimentation I've had to go through for the year. So, cause I, like if I had heard the song a year ago, I may have hated it, but I love this song. This song's so good. And I, like I said, I definitely recommend it. It is, it is really good. Can't recommend it enough. I agree. This was actually one of the best songs on Party Queen. Um, I love the song. And Party Queen was a metacore album, but this song was the standout song, I felt like, along with How Beautiful You Are. It yeah. Was amazing. It was so much fun, and I forgot how much I loved this song until I re-listened to Party Queen. <laughs> yeah, number two, like, almost, it's, it's so good. I, I, mm-hmm, I hear it now tracks. in my head. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like you're a party so. queen. You're a dancing queen. Yes, 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 you are. Like, I, I love that song. I do. I love it. Uh, my last song is it's it's kind of a cheat because so like my the very first Ayumi Hamazaki song I ever heard was Dearest, and I I didn't really connect the dots, and I never really liked Dearest, and uh, but I've always been a gamer, and I'm a huge Tales fan. And I had no idea that Ayumi even did this song. 
And so when I learned about it, this song really became a sudden nostalgia trip that I just I just can't break. It's progress, and we talked about it earlier. It, it's so good. I it, it, no other song can really be my number one song because I loved this song. I I would boot up the game. Entails more often than not they don't include the opening like they usually just get rid of the licensed music and it's just a generic song there are two there are two tells games that they did not do that with one was the most recent one they came out with and the other one was tells azilia and i i try to play every tells game that comes out so when i got to hear this song i just i just fell in love with it it's, it's a majestic song. The, the like the opening piano is so good, but it's not a. It's not to me. This is way more of a rock song, really, than anything else. It's, I wouldn't even really consider it a pop song because there's guitar breaks in the middle. There's a guitar solo. Like like it, this is really a rock song at the end of the day, which is another reason why I was kind of surprised this was Ayumi Hamazaki because it's not her typical stuff. But man, this song is so good. It's really intense. It's high energy, but not high energy in an upbeat, fun way. It's high energy in an intense, oh Lord, what's going on way. And I really, really like that 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 kind of energy. Because it's it is a serious song at the end of the day. It's it's not a fun dance song. It's a very serious song in tone and just the way that the the melody rolls. But this this song is, is so nostalgic for me because I would just boot up the game and listen to the opening. Like I wouldn't touch the game. I didn't want to play. I would want to hear the song. And rediscovering the song has been like an amazing life experience for me because it it awakens like all this nostalgia for me because I tells Azilia is not my favorite game, but I did enjoy it. And so, I, for me, I really, really loved that opening. It, it was so good. I, 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 I could not get enough of it. And ever since I've rediscovered it, I've had it on repeat for an hour or two. Because I just can't get enough of the song. It's so good. It's so intense. And it, it is so different from everything else that she does i cannot recommend it enough this is definitely one to check out even if you're into games or whatnot if you like jrpgs and and whatnot i definitely recommend this song it's really good it is really good and the whole mini album five she did with the song on it was amazing um i really love progress it was a great first song off that mini album and it really does stick with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's so memorable. Now, I will tell you, she says the word Onaji like 40 times. And I'm like, okay. It, 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 was, one of, it was one of those weird times where it's like, Onaji, that, mean, that means same, right? Yes, it does. I, I actually looked it up because I was like, hey, I, I remembered something from my long forgotten Japanese. So, yeah, she does say Onaji like a lot of times but that's okay because I, I like it she says it very, very nice um i know like she says same future a couple of times so yeah although that game is not i guess they're fighting for a future i don't know it's weird but yeah no no i love progress it is so good uh, i 
Yeah, I, I've known for a long time this would be my number one, and it's just I, I like I, said, I don't. I, there are songs that I absolutely love by her. I don't see them taking this spot. Just more nostalgia than anything. But oh man, I love this song. I love this song. Mm-hmm. I, I totally, totally agree. So, and I guess with that, we end our Ayumi's our artist spotlight on Ayumi Hamazaki. I hope we gave you guys all a good insight of her music career as well as a lot of her songs and give you some to check out as well. I hope you enjoy the opening montage as well to get you an idea of her change in styles and I we'd love to hear your opinions on this if you're a fan or if you're not a fan of her or if you're interested in becoming a fan. We're always open to everyone's opinions and would like to hear how we did on this. I know this was a very lengthy podcast due to her, the extensive extent, her extensive discography and just her lengthy career in the industry. She's been here for now over 20 years. You know, this was the 20th year she's been here and I really hope that she will continue on in her career. I'm curious to see where everything will take her. And I wish the best for her. I'll continue to follow her as well. Uh, I mean, even though we kind of were a little hard on some of her later songs, I still look forward to hearing her latest albums. And I enjoyed Trouble. You know, and I did enjoy songs off A1, Made in Japan, and her later albums. I mean, they're not as iconic as her earlier ones. But they're still enjoyable. And she is a great musician. I mean, you think she writes and composes these songs herself. And that takes a lot of time and talent and just vision as well. So, and I'm glad we all got to experience this. And, you know, Gray, you found a, a lost song that you didn't know she sang. <laughs> I know, right? You know? It's, it's, it is absolutely crazy. And I just wanted to go back and say one thing. You, you know, yeah, we were hard on her. But, you know, the thing of it is, uh, the thing about being a fan is I don't think if an artist puts something out and you just love it and like you never have any criticism or anything like that. I mean, you, I'm not going to say you're not a fan, but I think it's perfectly valid to be a fan and, you know, see things that you don't like and criticize it because not that you dislike them or that you grow to hate them, but you want to see them be better. You want to see them grow. You want to see them succeed. And maybe they're taking a step that you disagree with. And so you want to call them out and stuff. So don't just because, we're hard on an artist or whatnot. It doesn't mean that we're not fans or we don't, we don't love them. I mean, this is going to be a really, but and by the time you're hearing it, it'll be obvious, but you know, it's a really long episode and you know, we wouldn't put the time, the energy, the devotion into it. If we did not love her to this extent. And also I, I, I agree, you know, feedback is always great. And tell me how much you like the montage. I'm the one that cuts those every time. And, you know, I put a lot of hard work into them and, you know, I, I'd like to know, you know, is it, is it working? Is it not? What can I change? You know, it's stuff like that. It's like, I haven't, I've done, this will be my fifth or sixth one. And, uh, typically when we're recording it, I kind of like to sprinkle in like what songs are going to be the opening montage and stuff like that. But due to the fact it's the holiday season and stuff like that, it's just we're running a little bit behind. So the opening montage actually is not done yet. I've got to, um, I'll be doing that tomorrow, I think. 
But it'll be ready by the time you've already heard it by the time you're listening to all this stuff. So yeah, just let us know. Um, we're we're let, always looking yeah. to expand and improve. And, and it, let us uh, let us know your top songs of her too. We'd love to hear from you. And maybe you guys have different. Maybe you guys and gals have different opinions than us of your what are your top five. We'd love to hear it and hear you discuss them. Yeah, maybe Colors is your favorite album, and you just want to sing it to the world. You know, that's a guilty pleasure album that now I enjoy, but I used to hate. <laughs> so I will say I really, really love that album now. But years ago, I hated it. So I feel like everyone's tastes change with time. And yep. I would yep. love to hear everyone's opinions on this. You know, I, I want, you know, you might have an album you didn't like by her, but now you love or one you used to love that now you don't care for. We'd love to hear about that and hear how you got into IU as well. How you became a fan. So please let us know how um, how we're doing and check out our Instagram because I've been posting a lot of my IU goods on there, at least my CDs and stuff. So, but yeah, let us know if there's something that I didn't post that you want to see because I have a ton of her DVDs and Blu-rays as well, which hopefully you'll see post some more posted soon before this is up. But we want to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. And we look forward to doing more spotlights like this. So please give us some feedback. This yes, is I'm signing off. I am excited about the next one. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be an experience, I know. But this is Gray signing off. I want to thank you guys very much for listening to this week's episode of Ongaku to You. This is Ken signing off. You guys take care and have a great day. Mahalos. <laughs>